What's going on, folks? Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. We are deep in the off season here. There's not much going on, but that doesn't mean we have nothing to talk about. Actually, we have a loaded show today, and I'm very excited to start getting into things. Um, you will probably notice Tug is not with us once again. We thought he'd be able to join us once again today. Um, yeah, work happens, I guess. That's all we can say there. That is really all we can say there because it's uh, it might be a minute before uh, before two is, joins us here again on the show. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll happen eventually, right? It better. You know, by the time we get to football season, he'll definitely be on. I know that. So in the meantime, we're still going through our college previews. We're and now this week we're starting our NFL previews as well division by division it's going to be some good conversations so before we get to those bits of the show we do have a little bit of news to talk about and i guess it's time to jump on in if you're ready bug what do you say let's do it all right nfl news gets us started here uh your team the chicago bears just traded basically a ounce of grain for Nikhil harry <laughs> uh hey you it's better than having literally no receivers one literally one receiver all right right let's not forget darnell mooney money with two o's baby yeah i mean i'm seeing people drag this move on the internet i'm like why you're getting a former first round guy he was at least good enough to get drafted in the first round at some point yeah he does not have good stats at all there's no denying that did everybody deserve to be a first rounder though No matter how you look at it, when they review this trade later, it'll still be a first-rounder went for a future seventh-round draft pick. Right. So at the end of the day, what are they really losing here? This is this is probably the first time I've ever been okay with giving up draft picks. Even Khalil Mack, when that trade was made, I was, you know, I was kind of hesitant, and honestly, a lot of it was the quarterback situation, and unfortunately, yeah. I was well, uh, I was I was right there. So, you know, right. I. Hopefully everybody's right about this one too, that it's a dumb trade and there's nothing to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And then boom, what do you know? You know, hopefully I'm right in the fact that it's a uh, no harm, no foul uh, move here for the bears. So we'll see what happens. I would say if he stays healthy this year, he has a really good chance to be your wide receiver. Number two, which is definitely worth the seventh round draft pick mm-hmm. in the future. Even it's not even a 2023 pick. It's 2024 seventh rounder. So, and While you know, we're even talking about this, honestly, <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to throw a little bit in here, but there's a uh, there's buzz around that him and uh, the evil emperor himself, Bill Belichick, did not get along, and that is really what led to a lot of his issues. And then, you know, the third thing, I can run block, which I know you don't want out of a number two receiver on your team, but I don't know, it's kind of nice. Blocking's it's important. It definitely helps. Nice. And you don't have an offensive line to block for you, so you might as well get some receivers <laughs> to do it. Something like that. Heinz uh, Field has changed its name to Acrisure Field, Acrisure Stadium. I'm not even sure right now. I'm not even Acrisure. Makes, makes me um, oh. Got to be honest, I didn't oh. know this company existed until this was announced. Apparently, they're a Detroit-based insurance company which is kind of gross. Why do they have enough money to sponsor a stadium? But How's it going, Ghost Falcon? Yeah, I uh, I agree. I don't understand how 
this happens. I don't know how Heinz lets this go like this. Right. And it hurts my soul. And I'm very sad. This sucks. Ben Roethlisberger hates it too. So that's the one thing why. he and I definitely agree on. There's probably very few of those things. There's probably very few people that disagree <laughs> with him on this one. So, right, right. This is wild. You know why it happened though? Acrisure ponied up the money. So yep. hopefully the Steelers facilities improve recent in the near future. Tradition and iconic things mean nothing in the NFL. It's all about that bottom dollar. Stadiums in general, really. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have a good transition to this. Uh, Condoleezza Rice is now part of the ownership group for the Broncos. Uh, that's a little bit out of nowhere. At the same time, not that surprising somehow. Does that yeah, make sense? She, wasn't she trying to get on another staff somewhere a few years ago? And then, what, three or four years ago, yeah. she was on the college football playoff selection committee? She was on the first playoff she selection was on the first committee. One. That's yeah. right. So, I mean, and we drag the selection committee all the time because it is just an right. assortment of people most of the time. But she's got some experience and she's expressed interest in getting involved in the NFL for some time. So this is awesome. It's great. And I uh, wish her the best of luck. I hope she can help the Broncos turn something around here, you know, get in somebody's ear and be like, hey, we, uh, we're, on, we're off to a good start with Russell Wilson. Let's get a few more pieces. Right. This guy looks pretty good. Yeah, that'd I be wish- awesome. Wish they'd still have Von Miller right now with Russell Wilson. That'd be that would be some fun conversations. I would want to hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of all we really have for the NFL going on right now. I'd say it's probably time we jump over to college news. I'm down and... for it. We got nothing else really going on, man. It is a uh Yeah. It's I don't want to say it's just yeah, it's, it's July. just July. <laughs> Uh, the only thing really happening in college right now, too, is recruiting is heating up in a big way, which I don't want to get it too much into on this show. Uh, it's kind of a niche interest, must you know, not going to lie. To follow the whims of 16 and 17-year-olds as closely as you have to is daunting. Um, at the same time, I love it, so... <laughs> we had a 30 minute phone conversation about a kicker from what country that might be going to Ohio state. It's a tackle from Finland, not a kicker. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I had a conversation with somebody else about a punter from Australia who might be going to Memphis. So that's just, well, you know, punters come from Australia head. all the time. So that's, that's just <laughs> anyway, what I'm leading to is I think it would be awesome to do a spinoff show maybe a once a month show with me and tug where we talk about recruiting. If anybody is interested in that, please let us know because I would totally put way more time to that than into that than I should and make it into something very interesting. And, uh, you know, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, whatever you guys are interested in, if you're interested at all. So hit us up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, all the links are scrolling on the bottom if you are watching us live. If you are not watching us live, those links are in the description. I'm sure we'll read them to you later. Um, the only other real thing that's happened in college football news, I would say, is Texas Tech's announcement that they are investing hey. $200 million into their facilities, and it's going to affect their stadium. 
which is crazy because we're about to talk about that stadium in bracket time later in this episode. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. But the iconic double T scoreboard is going to be left alone. That's going to be stay exactly like it is. At the same time, that end zone will be closed off now with a four-story athletic complex. So it's upgraded offices. Kind of hate that. Training facility. It's... We've talked about it with other stadiums before. There are stadiums that do that, have like an academic-looking building closing off one end of the stadium. That's what I imagine this will be. I haven't seen any designs or anything. Really just the announcement. How much of this $200 is going to go into buying tortillas for the student section? I hope all of it. (laughs) (laughs) In reality, none of it. (laughs) No. Poor shame. (laughs) <laughs> I like that the double T is not going to be touched though. That's a, that's the best part of that stadium. <laughs> if you've got, a, if you got something, I don't want to say quirky, but iconic to your stadium like that, you better do everything you can to preserve it. Right. Absolutely. So that's going to be safe. And Jones AT&T stadium will look a little bit newer next time we talk about it. Uh, in 2025 or 2026 whenever it comes up in conversation again because <laughs> it's not that often gotta be honest who knows? who knows maybe uh maybe i'll actually go to a game this time i still kind of regret that i didn't go to that game last year but can't can't do the cold with three youngins uh-uh. <laughs> right ain't no way. no way um so i guess that's really it for college football news as well and i'll pass off of you for some other pro leagues yeah, I mean, you would think that maybe these spring leagues would have a little more going on, uh, but everybody's done. Uh, the FCF is really its own separate thing, uh, but they still compete against other arena leagues and other arena markets. So as far as wanting to you know, get guys to the NFL, they would love that. They 100% would love that. But fan-controlled sports is really looking towards fan-controlled basketball. So there's not a ton on the FCF front. And XFL – Nothing really moving the needle for me right now. So if something has happened and you want to let us know about it, throw it in the comments. We'll be glad to talk about it. Uh, but there's there's not really been anything that I feel like is newsworthy at this point in time. That is not the case for the USFL, though. There have been multiple players going and doing multiple tryouts at different camps around the NFL. You absolutely love to see it. This is what this league was really set up to do, which, you know, Talking about the XFL, that's exactly what the XFL is now set up to do. So it's going to be really interesting how these two leagues are going to coexist next year, especially considering that the USFL has confirmed that they will be back. The XFL, it looks like, is maybe eyeing that earlier start. So maybe we'll just have football until July. I mean, how awesome would that be, right? That's I'm okay. I, with I'm, it. I'm fine with the dog days of summer turning into our break from football and getting into you know some baseball action. But there's a there's another little league that I, I've mentioned once or twice before on the show in one of you know one of our hundred and forty or so episodes. Major League Football, there's there's been some stuff going on that did not seem like was going to be possible just a couple months ago. And all of a sudden they're getting coaches together. It sounds like they're getting a facility, got teams and everything doped out. I don't have a ton on this because this is one of those I kind of want to keep an eye on and see if they play it down in football. If they do, we'll start getting more into it. And probably just like we were doing the, with the USFL, give quick hitters on scores. And if we see anything crazy going on, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. 
I'm very interested to see where this goes because Doug, I know you and I have looked at their business model before, and it's uh, yeah, I didn't yeah, want to you... invest personally. Yeah, yeah so uh, I don't trust it. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. I mean, maybe it, might... it works. Maybe I don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe they're about to surprise all of us here. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it, and uh, if there's anything newsworthy to update you on there we will do that for sure but and i think that's all uh that's all the news this is a a record for us here a very quick this is the fastest news segment we've had in a year ever probably, I, yeah. I, I, probably I, ever yeah close to ever for sure we always find something in the off season to talk about no so there's nothing <laughs> been crazy we have plenty more to get into i say we go ahead and start with our NFL division preview. This will be the format we have for the next few weeks anyway. Go from the news to our NFL division to our college conference. So let's start with the AFC North. Kind of a little bit random. I, I don't know. I didn't have a strategy for which division we went with first. Uh, AFC North was interesting. Why not? So, <laughs> of course, we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, and Pittsburgh Steelers. Um if you didn't know that, welcome to NFL football. This is a good starting off point. You get to meet the teams before we start playing some games. So <laughs> uh, you want to start us off here, Bug? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll look, we'll look over the records. We're not going to do a ton of, uh, you know, transactional talk. We've done all the draft, all the, a bunch right. of free agency. We and even I mean, did tier Disney. list for the offseason. We did all yep. sorts of things talking about offseason moves. And we, like we talked about with the Bears at the top of the show, we're catching trades kind of as they come in in the news section. So this is going to be a little different than what we've been doing with college, but nonetheless going to be very, uh, I, I don't, I, I, I hesitate to say insightful, but we're, we're going to get into it. We'll talk. I think it'll be interesting week. enough because we're just, we're basically going to look at the roster. Who's actually going to see the field this year? Who is coaching staff going to look like? Uh, who's what's the coaching staff going to look like for this coming football season. And I think that can be really helpful because it kind of gets lost. Sometimes all we end up talking about are the movements. Well, who's actually going to be playing for these teams. So let's look at the rosters. Let's figure out who's going to be the best kind of in each position group. And uh, we'll get to our picks for the division at the end of this. So for sure. Yeah. I think let's first get into thing, these teams. Yeah. First thing we want to look at is how these teams finished last year. Obviously, uh, we got the Bengals as the Super Bowl representative for the AFC from last year, finishing 10 and 7. This Wild. this team was up and down all year. So the fact that they make it all the way to the Super Bowl and they had a shot to win it at the end, man. They really did. I know. I can't believe it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're returning their head coach, Zach Taylor, both offensive and defensive coordinators. Projected to go nine and eight this year, not a ton different, uh, but really not a lot's different for the rest of the teams in this division either. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who were a wild card representative, of course, losing to the Chiefs, returning Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada uh, at offensive coordinator. I, I want to pronounce that Canada for whatever reason. I don't know. And then uh, Terrell Austin, first year defensive coordinator, coming in there in Pittsburgh. They had a tie last year, and the NFL Network is actually saying they're going to be a little bit worse. They're going to go eight and nine. That's their, their projection there. Last two teams we got here, Ravens and Browns, finished eight and nine last year. Browns are going to finish eight and nine, according to the NFL Network, once again this season with the Ravens taking a, a step forward a little bit, going nine and eight. 
And uh, everybody's returning with the exception of Mike McDonald coming in at defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Is this a prove-it year for Kevin Stefanski as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? I mean, first year, yeah, maybe a little lucky. And then last year, the wheels just fell off. I, worth mentioning, too, the Ravens went 1-5 and five in the division. The Steelers and yeah. Bengals went 4-2, and two, and the Browns went a perfect 3-3 three and three in the division. So I... I I think if we're if we're looking at a hot seat for anybody, I think it's Kevin Stefanski. I don't think that's realistic because of all of the changes that have happened to the Cleveland Browns, right? I would argue as well the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year was probably in large part Baker Mayfield's injury. So I don't think it was that bad of a second season. It's still a better second season than the Browns have had in a very, very long time from anybody. I would say he gets another year at least. Here's the problem. Okay. It's the Cleveland Browns we're talking about. (laughs) Right. And and that's what concerns me because they're in a horrible position in that quarterback room. You lose Baker Mayfield because – you go and pick up Deshaun Watson without talking to your starting quarterback. And now and you have to assume that Deshaun Watson isn't going to be available either. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I don't think there's any realistic expectation of the Browns make the playoffs this year. So I think he's going to be okay going yeah. even, even as bad as six and 10. I don't think it's going to kill him as long as they show some improvement or some explosiveness on offense when Deshaun Watson sees the field, because apparently it's going to be less than a full year suspension now. So if Deshaun Watson sees the field and the offense starts to look good, he'll definitely be back. That's what I would say. I don't think he needs to make the playoffs. So there's some wiggle room, I guess. Yeah. What's interesting to me is seeing the coordinator change for the Ravens after basically the reason they were bad is because of injuries. Right, This defense has been the class of the division for as long as the Ravens have been a team in the Mm -hmm. the league. So to just fire Don Martindale is surprising to me, to put it mildly. Uh, At the same time, I guess a lot of that came down to wanting to promote Mike McDonald. He was a position coach for the Ravens, wanted to be defensive coordinator for his brother, Jim Harbaugh, at the team up north, and then back with John Harbaugh to be the defensive coordinator. So a little bit of people movement there, but it still feels weird to me to move on from Don Martindale. Got scooped up very quickly. The Giants picked him up immediately, understandably, too. I mean, there was it was a weird time to fire the defensive coordinator to me. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, especially when – you're talking about best defense in the division. The Browns are 100% catching up there. Right. Man, it's uh, – I don't know if this is a move you want to make. As far as offenses in the division though, go, though, maybe you're willing to make that move because you think you're going to have to do it eventually anyway. Might as well do it now and rip the Band-Aid off rather than get caught with your pants down in a year or two. Uh, right. It's It's interesting. It's definitely interesting. So – I don't know. The only other one is the Steelers, you know, losing Keith Butler to retirement, but you promote from within. We love to see that here on this show. 
I think they're not going to miss a step. What is going to be interesting right. for them is uh, kind of their personnel situation as far as the quarterback room. You know, everybody is talking right now. Tomlin did great with Ben Roethlisberger. Not so great with anybody else. What is he going to do At the same time, who else did he have? Mason Rudolph? Who is third on the depth chart right now. Exactly. To a free agent and a rookie in a draft class that everyone agreed the quarterbacks sucked. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> well, let's just start with who we think the best quarterback room is because I think it's okay. the Bengals. I think it's just Joe Burrow, which is tough. I... It's kind of a tough call to make, right? You're, you're comparing Joe Burrow to former MVP winner in Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow definitely put the Bengals That's on his tough. back multiple times during the playoffs last year, which is where a lot of people have said Lamar Jackson has struggled. And frankly, there's a lot of merit to that. As far as best starting quarterback, I agree with you. It's between the Ravens and Bengals. As far as overall quarterback room, once Deshaun Watson gets back, you're, you're kind of sitting pretty with the Browns. Jacoby Brissett is not a terrible fill-in. No. If I'm looking to Tyler Huntley or Brandon Allen, I'm not feeling too good about myself. So the Ravens and Bengals don't really have a solidified backup situation. I mean, it's a solidified backup situation, but it's not a solidified, all right, step in and win me a couple of games if you have to situation, like what the Browns have obviously set themselves up for. And the Steelers are just full of unknowns, so they're out of the conversation entirely. Yeah, I would even say, you know, we what we said he's going to this Sean Watson's going to miss half or less of the season. I would even say mm-hmm. that's an unknown because tomorrow they might come out and right. say he's going to miss four seasons. Like it, nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody True. knows what's going on with this, and it's it's dragging on to the point where it's getting detrimental for the Browns. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective, that he might miss the full year. I don't want to go into the season with Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs. That's the, that's the issue. I think an I, equally difficult conversation is who has the best running back room. And for the opposite reason is that these are some very strong groups, like in, in their entireties. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, that's three different starting running backs. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Darnest Johnson. Again, three different starting running backs. Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan are a really good one-two punch. Most of that's Deshaun uh, or Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Deshaun Mixon. Well, wow. <laughs> I don't even know where you're getting. Maybe um, Dearness Johnson looking there. Maybe. I have no idea. The only one, again, that's kind of up and down would be the Steelers. I don't trust Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane Jr. as much as I do the other backups across the division. Yeah. But Je- Benny Snell is some good journey, rooms. Man. He's a bit he's of a guy, man. He's he's not. He's literally been on the Steelers his entire I think career. Somebody else then, but I have he's to be. the talent level of a journeyman. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, have, I, I feel like he was on the Bears at some point. Definitely not. I don't know. Fair enough. I drafted by the Steelers out of Kentucky. That's why I feel like he's nobody. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if Najee. The problem is how much pressure do you have to put on Najee Harris right that's gonna be the real tell-all here because right Najee Harris is gonna have to do a little bit of everything whereas Nick Chubb can come out and let Kareem Hump do the stuff out in the open field Darnish Johnson can do a little bit of it all JK and Dobbins somehow and Nick Edwards, Chubb's still gonna run for over a thousand yards it's crazy yeah. 
Yeah, but then they're going to pull him out at the two-yard line and for some reason put the quick shifty guy in to get that last two-yard yeah, touchdown. put Demetric Felton in. <laughs> fifth string guy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, you know, they'll hand it off to Johnny Stanton and let's let him drag bodies in because we got three fullbacks in this division, too. This is hard-nosed football here. And I know everybody loves Derek Watt, but I got to say Patrick Ricard's probably my favorite of this group as well. I, I agree. I'm so I glad do. you said it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to have to be the one to say that for sure, but yes, definitely. I'm a Patrick Ricard guy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, so we look at the receiving groups for these teams. Uh, the biggest names are probably Jamar Chase, who just won Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. and Amari Cooper, who the Browns just traded for. Interesting, though, the only player who made All-Pro was Devin Duvernay, technically a receiver for the Ravens. He won all pro honors as a returner. So there aren't any great receivers in this division is what that's saying. (laughs) I mean, Jamar Chase is good. The Browns are a completely rebuilt room. The only guy they have returning that has any experience on the team is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet is a rough room for the Ravens. They trade Hollywood Brown for a first-round pick on draft night. Uh, I I don't it? know if you're leaning this way too, but it's it's weird to say that the Steelers I think have the best receiving room of this division. I and even disagree. that's a bit of a toss up. I disagree. Would you, I would definitely would you go say Cincinnati? the Bengals. That's who I was between. Yeah, but I, I'm I think I think George Pickens is going to have a great season. I agree. Actually. Like I'll even I'll even take Austin and Miller out of this. Miles Boykin is the only question mark in there because really when you're looking at these lists you're looking at about four guys anyway even if you take the bottom two out of all this i think Mm. between deontay johnson chase claypool george pickens and miles boykin i think miles boykin's a little better than mike thomas staley morgan or trent taylor right you know take your pick from those three and make an assortment of four for the Bengals. i think miles boykin is a little bit better than than them yeah, I think you got to give a little bit of edge to the Bengals because of Jamar Chase, but I think these are these are going to be your two best receiving rooms in the division. It's a shame that they're looking down the barrel of a Mitchell Trubisky season at quarterback. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if the numbers actually show up. Before we move on, there, I just want to say I don't know if it's my personal bias. I don't trust Deontay Johnson like you do. I don't know why here. I would say if I have to pick between Deontay Johnson and Tyler Boyd, who's supposed to be the Bengals' third receiver, I'm taking Tyler Boyd. (laughs) And between Chase Claypool and T. Higgins, it's 100% T. Higgins, right? So I love the potential of a George Pickens, even a Calvin Austin. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins together, that's the best two in this division by far. And Tyler Boyd makes a pretty decent third. Did the Steelers' room improve with Juju gone? That's a really fair question. That's hard to answer, which probably means yes. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to see that translate to the stats, especially with uh, Mitch Trubisky probably starting at quarterback. Yeah. But probably did get better with trading Juju for George Pickens, essentially. I, yeah, I think that's better. Probably. Let's move on to the tight ends here. I think this one's pretty straightforward. I think Mark Andrews 
You know, I, oh, I yeah. feel like we kind of have to look at tight ends and in, in uh, like fantasy points. Like that's kind of they're such an interesting group. And looking at how the offenses use them, Pat Fryermuth is great as far as pass blocking, run blocking, and you know getting out, getting some short catches for you. But if you're looking for a big play player and you want that out of that tight end position, you got to go with uh, Mark Andrews and the Ravens. If you're looking for a tight end that's a good blocker, it's the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Browns. The Bengals, I think, took a step back from last year. Hayden Hurst is okay, uh, but I I would rather have David Njoku, but I would rather have Mark Mark Andrews or Pat Fryermuth than either of those guys. So it's a it's it's an interesting thing they got going on here. This. I don't know. There's not a ton to say about tight ends, which is unfortunate because it's one of my favorite positions on the field. The Bengals essentially losing CJ Uzama for Hayden Hurst is a weird move to me. I don't believe that to be a real upgrade here, but at the same time, it's not too much of a downgrade to where I think the Bengals are a rough spot. You know, I really like the Browns tight end situation as overall what they provide to your team. David Njoku is actually threatening to lead the team in passing yards, receiving yards last year after he thought he wasn't going to have a role and like requested a trade because he thought he was about to be the third tight end in the room. So, and Harrison Bryant is like a deep threat as a six, five blocking guy. It's crazy. Bare minimum. David Njoku is consistent. Right. Right. Very true. More consistent than Odell was in Cleveland. Give him that. (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) Let's look at these (laughs) offensive line groups. This is kind of our our wheelhouse here. And more specifically, uh, you know, especially looking at the draft this year, this is really your wheelhouse. I know Tyler Linderbaum's the only rookie in the division here going to Baltimore at center. But multiple second year players. Yes. Go ahead. Take it away. I don't know. I love Tyler Linderbaum. I don't like basically anything else in that Ravens offensive line. Ronnie Stanley's good. Uh, the rest of the line's not good. The Bengals improved simply by having bodies in those positions now that they acquired yes. through free agency. Uh, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Leo Collins are all better than what they had, assuming Leo Collins can stay healthy for a whole season. And Jonah Williams can stay healthy for a whole season, and Jackson Carmen can stay healthy for a whole season. This might be an okay offensive line now. I, you have to admit, no matter who you are, you have to ad- admit to yourself the Browns have the best offensive line in this division. Yeah, by by far. Jedrick Wills was one of the best offensive tackles in a stacked offensive tackle draft class not that long ago. Jack Conklin made has made all pro with the Browns. Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller are two of the top five guards in the NFL. They let J.C. Treader walk for some reason. Apparently, it's because they believe enough in Nick Harris. I'm okay with that. They've proven to me that they know offensive line. So I'm. I can't believe I said that. It's the Browns, but you want to go back yet? No. Get out of here. <laughs> I can't even honestly tell you much about the Steelers' offensive line. They got worse. They added James Daniel. <laughs> you you hate James Daniels I so much. Hate James Daniels. I will say I love what the <laughs> Bengals did because I'm telling you, we're talking about a Bengals Super Bowl reign. If Joe Burrow could get a block for 
an extra right. half second. He had Absolutely. receivers open way downfield. We're talking about a completely different ending here. He just didn't. And we At the same time. Him. Sorry, finish your thought there. We chastised him in the draft last year for not going offensive line, and this right. is what came out of it. But I was amazed. We were all amazed they made it to the Super Bowl. Right, and I don't think this defense can hold up the same way it did for them to make it back. I yeah, just don't believe that. Let's move on to this defense. Uh, defensive line, I guess we should start with. The edges, uh, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney. They have the names for sure. At the same time... Clowney, Jadavian Clowney proved he was worth something last year, though. That's right. the thing. And I think it's the fact that, and I, and I know this is going to go a little bit into that second level here, but the linebackers for the Browns are really what did it for him. And if they can continue that, JOK was doing things you don't expect a rookie to do last year. Absolutely. And I, I don't know off the top of my head who won defensive rookie of the year, but if he wasn't in the conversation, that's a foul on my part. Uh, TJ Watt, of course, all pro defensive player of the year, all the above, probably the best defensive player in football. Apparently that's what defense player of the year is supposed to mean. So that's a good thing. Uh, good sign. The awards working properly, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's great and he's back. And at the same time, I think the best pass rush, at least along the line would be on the Bengals still. Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, that's a great combination. And as far as defensive tackles in this division go, DJ Reader and BJ Hill, probably the best combo as far as what I can see. Tyler Shelvin is actually a pretty decent prospect as well. Uh, LSU guy, drafted a couple years ago. I like him a lot if he's been able to make progress on that deep in that depth chart. We'll see because they let go a couple of guys on the line. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we got Tommy Togia as a guy that I've always liked watching at that defensive tackle position. So this is this is a great front here in Cleveland. And as I already mentioned, I, I really like the second level they got here. JOK has, was an amazing centerpiece for them, and I expect him to improve greatly this year. When I look around the, the rest of the division, maybe Miles Jack. But I, I don't know how he's going to work. I the Jags in. let him go. Yeah, I don't, but that's the problem. I don't know how he right. is going to exactly fit into this defense. You expect right. him to be able to pick up right where he left off because he is that talent, but we'll we'll have to see. I do like Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gator. Again, talking about the Bengals, mostly because they're small school guys, and I feel like I know something when I talk about you know them as draft prospects. <laughs> But Logan Wilson especially has played way better than I expected at the past two seasons. And he's making this division a run, giving this division a run for its money as far as who the best linebacking core is, probably by himself. The The Ravens here have a such a weird situation because they're, you know, inside off-ball linebackers are mediocre at best. Patrick Queen was there was a lot expected of him, hasn't worked out that well. And Malik Harrison has been fine at times. Um, but their rush linebackers are like really interesting and actually really good. Tyus Bowser, Odafe Owe, their rookie David Ajabo, once he gets back from injury, 
and the veteran, longtime veteran James Houston's on this team too. That's actually a really scary combination of guys to be right behind Calais Campbell and Justin Matabuike too. That's a really threatening pass rush in itself. At the same time, I don't trust the middle of that defense the same way you normally would a Ravens defense. That linebacker room is really weird to me. This is what I've been waiting for, this secondary, especially in this division. Why is Eli Apple still on the Cincinnati Bengals? Were you waiting to talk I've been about waiting to talk about only this because of Eli Apple for so long? <laughs> uh, you can tell that this was a position where they want to improve. They drafted three yep. defensive backs this year: Daxton Hill, Cam Taylor, Britt, and Tyson Anderson. Look, I, I, I think you got to go back to the Ravens though. Adding Kyle Fuller, he's gone down a little bit, but I expect him to make a good bounce back here. He's in a good room. He's got good guys over the top for him here as well. The only other team I think that's really comparable, it's not the Steelers, the Browns, maybe, between Greg Newsom and Steelers cornerback is so bad right now. I know. That's one of the worst position groups in the league, if we're being real. And then the Browns just paid Denzel Ward the most cornerback money ever. So (laughs) that's the disparity we're seeing in the division. (laughs) Yeah, expect Xavier Howard to want a uh, a raise here next offseason. That takes us to right. special teams, though, right? And I think this one's pretty simple. Justin Tucker's still in the league. Justin Tucker's the best kicker, not just in the AFC North, but in the entire league at this point. At the same time, um, playoff MVP definitely should have been Evan McPherson. 100%. 100%. Uh, Two new punters in the division, a rookie Jordan Stout and a free agent acquisition, Corey Bohorquez. Kevin Huber is the only guy who's been decent for very long here in the division, though, at punter. And then we talked about returners a little bit. The only one that really matters has got to be Devin Duvernay, who is honestly the best in the NFL last year. So that's pretty pretty great for the Ravens. I, You know, Jakeem Grant might give him a run for his money. He always does that's something true. crazy when he's back there. And if the Steelers are smart, they'll put Calvin Austin back there as well. And he'll uh, he'll be up there near the top of the league as well, in my opinion. We'll see if it actually happens. Let's, uh, let's go to these division predictions here. We'll start off with you. What do you got? Well, I'm going to say the Steelers are the worst roster in this division. And without Big Ben, this is probably the year they finally finish fourth in the division, which is insane. It seemed like their run would never end. But at the same time, Big Ben retires. They don't have a plan to replace him. That's not going to work out. I don't think they're going to be that bad, but they're probably still going to be fourth in the division. I'm going to say the Bengals, with a first-place schedule now, are going to fall apart and finished third in the division not because their roster got worse but because the other rosters are improving at the same time and their schedule got that much harder which means the browns would be in second place with a up in the air quarterback situation i do believe jacoby Brissett can win them that many games and then the baltimore ravens being healthy being more aggressive with their new defensive coordinator win the division and lamar jackson's in talks for mvp So I'm looking at I'm looking at the Browns schedule in particular because I think the Ravens are going to win this division. There's there's been a lot of turnover, but the Ravens have been pretty consistent here. 
like you said, I've got the Steelers in dead last as well. I do have the Bengals making the playoffs in a wild card spot, though. I have them finishing third because regardless of who starts at quarterback to begin the year, if we're looking at six weeks, that's the lower side of a possible suspension for Deshaun Watson like we talked about earlier. Let's look at the first six weeks of the season for the Browns, shall we? Okay. September 11th, Carolina. September 18th, New York Jets. September 22nd, Pittsburgh Steelers. October 2nd, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> October 9th, LA Chargers. That's probably a loss. L. And then you got the Patriots. That's what? L. One, two, three, four, five, six. So you're looking at four and two, most likely, potentially five and one. You start off like that and give Deshaun Watson a hot team. Look out. That's true. You're starting Jacoby Brissett. So maybe flip the watch Baker Mayfield beat him. Fair. <laughs> um, and let's have like the, the Falcons beating them for no reason. And that's the one win on the year for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and everything I said goes right out the window. But it, I don't want to completely write off this division this year. There's a lot of reasons to do it. Absolutely, like you mentioned, Bengals having to face a first-place schedule, 100%. Easy reason to ride them off. Steelers, absolutely ride them off. But again, they still have Mike Tomlin. The Browns, that quarterback uh, instability, but look at that defense. The Ravens are the only solid team, and I think that's why you've got to put them as your division champion this year. But who really knows? These are some pretty good teams in this division. I don't know that we'll see them in the Super Bowl again this year. But I bet we'll get at least one wild card out of this division. I know I predicted two, but I bet we'll get at least one. That's a fair prediction, but I'm saving some wild card uh, availability for later divisions. There's there's more divisions than just this one. So, (laughs) All right, so I think that does it for our AFC North preview. A little bit of a different format than our conference previews, but... Hopefully some good information in there for you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If so, let us know. If not, don't let us know. Appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) And now let's go ahead and jump into the Pac-12 preview. And for this, we actually have a very special guest about to join us. And I hope I'm pronouncing this right. This is a very difficult last name for me because I've never seen it before in my life. Michael Carotenuto. Good job. All right. Look, at that. Look at that. You got it on the first time. <laughs> this is why you're the name guy, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I am the only one who tries to pronounce draft prospects' names when we talk about like the NFL draft or prospects. So I, that's what I'm all about. Practice with the NHL draft. That'll get you. That'll get you. Oh. Wow. Yeah, but you just got to learn a little bit of Russian and you're fine. Oh, more <laughs> than that, man. <laughs> Swedish, Swiss. True. true. It's all over. <laughs> I disagree so, with you about Mitchell Trubisky, man. Because let me ask you this: Did you rip on yeah. Matt Nagy? Is Matt Nagy just I a rip on all of them? Okay, well, I if you rip on, on Matt Nagy, team. then it's his fault. Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I know he backed up Josh Allen, but even in his little bit of play in the preseason and last game last year, he looked better, man. I'm just I, saying. I'll, I'll tell you this too, though. You know what the record for touchdowns thrown in a game is, right? Uh, what seven by Nick Foles? 
I don't think it's Nick Foles. I think it's seven by about three people, one of them being Mitchell well, Trubisky Nick, against uh, well, a horrible Buccaneers defense. Right. Nick Foles threw seven against uh, the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, it's happened like two or three times. Mitchell Trubisky is one of them to do it, but he did it against bad defenses. Uh, hey, You're going against second-team defense. I'm not a Bears fan. I'm just saying, like, everybody Trubisky also for years. They trashed Matt Nagy for years, which is justifiable, but then you can't blame him if he doesn't develop a quarterback. And Trubisky looks like a freaking linebacker. So if you actually work with him, I don't know. I think that I think last year in Buffalo is going to help him. I'm not saying Pittsburgh is going to win any. God knows I don't want Pittsburgh to win anything. But <laughs> if you rip on Matt Nagy, I just find it hard to say it's all it's just Trubisky can't do anything when he was stuck with Matt Nagy. I saw enough under and overthrows to say that Matt Nagy is not completely responsible for it. I mean, he called the offense though, and he assembled that. He helped assemble that terrible offensive line. I'm just saying, little things you can throw out there. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's at plenty all there. you can throw out there. The Bears have been dysfunctional for a very long time. <laughs> We're not talking about the Bears right now. We're trying to talk about the Pac-12. And yes. before we do that, how about you introduce yourself to our audience? And again, thank you so much for being here with us. No, absolutely. I'm glad. Awesome that you guys had me on. No, I'm Michael Caratinuto. Like you said, I uh, graduated from ASU, so I am a Sun Devil. But, uh, yeah, I covered a lot of sports. Uh, once uh, the fall rolls around, a few weeks into the fall, I'll restart my Believe in uh, Pac-12 Hoops uh, podcast. But, uh, yeah, I'm sick of conference realignment. Uh, I hated it since <laughs> – since the Big 12 basically started it because Texas uh, thought they were owed everything and yep. once Nebraska and Colorado yeah. ditched, it just kind of – it just started more conference jumping. And, yeah, it's 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 annoying, but hopefully it doesn't affect the Pac-12. I know everybody thinks they're just going to jump ship and join the Big 12. I mean, Nick Saban's cranky, but I watch a lot of his uh, his interview with uh, – what was it, Greg McElroy. I watched a good part of it saying that – uh you know, you're ruining like there's no more traditions and he understands what he's recruiting in and he, NIL and stuff like that. But it just sucks that, you know, and we'll get into this about USC and UCLA jump into the Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, there's no more regional rivalries and they want to make it obviously all about money. And it's just I don't know. It just ruins. I mean, you have, I mean, you have USC and UCLA potentially playing not potentially. They will be playing conference games. 3,000 miles away from where they are. Well, right. What was the stat we had last week? The distance from UCLA to Rutgers is the same as Rutgers to someplace in Finland or Iceland? Iceland, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's like 35, it's like, what's right. like, it's like 30, 3,500 miles, 3,700 miles. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking conference realignment. Uh, it is a huge topic here, and I know you said you don't want to oh, talk specifically um, no, USC yeah. and UCLA, but – how is this going to work? I mean, they're in the same university system as Cal, correct? I mean, this is insane. Well, but USC is a private university. so Right, okay. but UCLA and Cal. UCLA, yeah. Well, I mean, UCLA, I mean, the Board of Regents, which obviously they're not going to agree to do it if they're not going to get approval. I know some people try to put the poo-poo on UCLA doing it because of political things with the Midwest and how some of those states differ from California, but – that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah, no, I mean, with USC, I mean, the fact that it's a private university, too, so I don't think they have what I recall, unless they change it up. I mean, there is no in-state tuition. So even if you live in California, you're, I mean, USC is 25, 30 grand a year to go to. So, I mean, it's like obviously going to, 
you know, Notre Dame, something like that. Um, but, you know, I, it, it messes with the rest of the conference. And I know everybody, like, especially here in Arizona, was talking about like ASU and, you know, Arizona bolting to the Big 12. I'm like, first of all, take a breath. Second of all, like, if, and UCLA allegedly is like, was like, needed to do this for the financials, which cracks me up because you're telling me you signed a, over a billion dollar TV deal with Fox and ESPN. A few years back, starting the having the Pac-12 network, even though Larry Scott couldn't get it done, and so far the new commissioner, which I do like, um, George, uh, I don't need to say last names. I think it's Kliavov, um, the Pac-12 commissioner. Like they haven't got it; they're not on Direct TV yet, which to me is insane because the Big Ten network was there, and then and then you get the right. SEC network, and then but the Pac-12, like Direct TV, can't come to an agreement, so. You know, people say as for conference realignment, you know, there's somebody there from, you know, the SEC or, you know, the Big Ten, like grease in the wheels of the of direct TV, which is just stump. Because now, I mean, with everybody streaming stuff anyway, it's like, well, who cares? I mean, 90 percent of the people are just watching on streaming out or maybe not 90 percent. But you guys know what I'm saying. A huge percentage are watching on stream. So, I mean, look, it, it'll be interesting this year and next year. I mean, I really hope USC and UCLA, I mean get absolutely just pounded um it'll be a little bit usc again i still think utah to me utah is probably the best team in the pack and we can get to that later but i mean usc obviously you get a lincoln riley huge but yeah i mean you know and, and somebody brought up a great point like oh i wonder if they said you know anything to him in the interview process about they were gonna jump ship well I'm sure they did. And if they didn't, well, you know, he's not going to, he's still living in Southern California. It's not like, Oh, well we're relocating our whole campus to, uh, you know, to um, into Minnesota. So you get to, you know, freeze nine, eight months of the year instead of being in Southern California beach. So, I mean, it, look, it just makes it interesting. Um, we'll see what, again, I mean, I look at the bottom half of the Big Ten, and you can sit there and talk about adding teams. I mean, UCLA. I mean, UCLA's had a conference schedule this year is absolutely pathetic. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 interesting, especially these next two seasons. I know. I mean, Lincoln Riley's definitely landed. I mean, he got Caleb Williams, the kid from Oklahoma, to transfer there. Uh, I shouldn't say got. He went to the transfer portal, checked out a few places, but decided to come back to Lincoln Riley. Um, which I don't blame him. I mean, look what the kid did. So again, you, you need that quarterback, but it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see like what, what, what happens with them. I mean, UCLA, like I said, they were like, allegedly they would have been, they would have start dropping sports, which like, again, from the billion dollar deal on a split, but it was between ESPN and Fox and, you know, the school split that I know, UCLA and USC have been looking for an out to just wrap this up because when I negotiated that last time, they were they were kind of like the Texas of, the Texas of the Pac-12. Um, you know, they felt they deserve more because of their market, yada, 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 yada. And it's like, well, no, this equally goes into all of our recruiting and stuff like that. Like, no, you don't deserve more. So, I mean, they've been kind of whining, and I, I thought this next media deal would be – they would more so work out extra sponsorship stuff to just benefit them, which they have every right to do. Um, but yeah, they want to jump ship and go play in the big 10. So it's, 
like I said, I mean, I, I hate to agree with Nick Saban, but it, I mean, it, it's just ruined rivalries. I mean, Oklahoma and Nebraska haven't played in eons. I just remember, you know, even being little and having friends that are Nebraska fans or Colorado's in the Pac-12 now, but like that last week, that like Nebraska Colorado rivalry game, like it's just, it's just, it's just annoying how you're going to ruin. I mean, they'll still play each other, obviously, USC and UCLA, but, you know. And We're going to see these Cal and Stanford games anymore. What's that? We're not going to see these games against Cal and Stanford anymore. Yeah, I mean, that Stanford game in the last, like, seven, eight years, and I was looking at their schedules before we taught a little yesterday, and they always play Stanford early in the season because the USC, like, this year at a conference, they have, uh, what is that, I think, Rice? They play Notre Dame, and it's it's at Notre Dame, the last game of the uh, the season. But for USC, yeah, they open up with Rice, and they have Stanford. They have their first conference game, which they've done a lot the second week of the season. Then they play Fresno State, who was good, but I, their head coach is now at U. Their old head coach is now at UW. So yep. um, it'll be like I said. Look, I mean, the next two seasons will be fun to see. Um, and you know, if I'm the rest of the pack, I don't leave. The, my only thing is, and again, it's obviously in hindsight, when they were trying to expand from, you know, when the Nebraska jumped and, you know, Colorado was looking for something, my theory was they should have went after, and again, no offense to Colorado, but they should have hammered it back then and went after Utah and BYU because BYU, as we know, is independent, but they they're not – Again, it's a solid program. They've done a lot of winning. It's an insane atmosphere. I've been to games there, but it's not like Notre Dame independent. So, like, if they would have hammered, like, if they could have got BYU, to me it would have changed the trajectory just a little bit because then you have, you know, you don't have the Colorado-Utah forced rivalry, but then you also, you know, you're t- you have basketball-wise, you have two stops in, you know, every – basically every state, every – so, I mean, well, four stops, obviously, in California from Northern Southern and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – it's it'll be interesting to see. But, hey, they want to leave good riddance. I hope it's miserable for them. <laughs> well, you know, we we spent a lot more time talking about realignment and things than I intended to. But that's, that's totally fine. Uh, I think we should go ahead and get into this coming season, which is definitely the focus of our previews thus far on the show and really what we should be expecting out of these teams for really the 2022-2023 season. So we'll go through how they performed last year, any coaching changes, uh, talent they're losing, talent they're adding, and then finally give some predictions on how we think this conference is going to shape up. So UCLA and USC still count technically for the next two years. We will still talk about them here for sure. Uh, but before we do that, I guess we should probably start with how about Utah? I mean, unreal. I honestly did not expect them to win this conference, especially when you know their quarterback goes down with injury. They bring in a true freshman, and then he's just phenomenal for some reason out of nowhere. So Kyle Whittingham has done a great job with this program for a very long time, and I respect the job he's done. At the same time, this felt – sudden for some reason to me am i wrong about that i mean considering that you know it's not like we said the brands it's not a usc it's not you know an oregon or a washington that like has done that does winning i mean he had to readjust his recruiting when they first got in the pac-12 again and not that they were you know 
they were obviously weren't bad. Pac-12, you know, no conference is going to lend in a team that's like, oh, you're so terrible. But Kyle Whittingham, yeah, he's been there a while. So he started recruiting. I mean, that first year, and I've and even before they came in the Pac-12, I've been to games in Utah, and I tell people, like, if you don't, if you haven't been, there's a lot of big-time schools that will not sign to go play there. Like, I always rip on the SEC because, again, it's just easy to see their out-of-conference schedules like UCLA's this year. But for Kyle Whittingham, I mean, the job that he's done there, just the recruiting, I mean, he's plucked a, he's plucked some kids out of Arizona. Um, I know there's been like a few – they always have to rank, you know, new coaches once everything gets settled down. And uh, uh, Kyle Whittingham has been either at one or two of – of call of coach uh, yeah one or two top two of coaches in the Pac-12 um and I mean again when you win nine to ten games a year and their talent again their depth their defense it's just um nasty I mean the one thing that he maybe hasn't done is you know have a top 10 team and again I just like I said I'm not going to get into rankings on this because I'll take you guys on a whole tangent rant about a crap of you know some teams and some conferences getting a benefit of doubt, but yeah, I mean, well, these teams yeah. would not sign up to play in Utah because it's like Oregon. It's like Eugene, that crowd is on top of you. Uh, for some reason they developed a little trash, uh, trash talking with um, like ASU with us. And it's like, all right. I mean, I enjoy talking trash, but even on Twitter, like, and again, it's not like, I'm not saying it's vulgar or nasty, but they'll creatively go after some of the players and get a little personal. So Utah fans are like, I mean, they're absolute money. So I just, I mean, I love it. Um, but Kyle, what, I mean, the job his staff has done and the, the defensive players they've put, players in general, like the last five years, the defensive players they've put in the league, you see them coming in and just making, I'm saying they're superstars, but they, they sure as hell ain't leaving the field in the NFL when you're, you know, battling for basically 11 spots on each side and, you know, a certain position. These Utah guys have been absolutely money. So, yeah, Kyle Whittingham. You know, and he's had opportunities when when some jobs have come up. You've heard his name, and I think he has no interest in leaving Utah. Um, again, I think it's been what in 18, 19 years that he's been there. I was looking at that the other day. I was scribbled down. Eighteenth, eighteenth year, yeah, at yep. Utah. So it's like, you know, he he came. They came into the Pac-12. They adjusted, and being in a Power Five uh, definitely helped them. So yeah, I just it's it's funny to me because. I would love to see some of these teams like try to come into Utah and just deal with that crowd. I'm not saying they can't be beat there, but I mean, you've seen like, you know, when USC has been ranked high, when Oregon, I mean, Oregon last year, obviously on the run, but even the past few seasons. And I mean, ASU, you know, has played games with them in Tempe where they've, they've controlled it and been back and forth, but Last year, they're up 21-7, and then, I mean, I'm sure he just probably had to give his team the dad look because the second half, that was the demise of ASU's rest of the season. They just destroyed him. So he's a phenomenal coach. His recruiting, like I said, I mean, he's been able to pluck kids out of Arizona. A lot of the you know best kids in Utah aren't going to BYU. They're going to Utah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you win 9, 10 games a year, and you guys know this, obviously. You're sending dues to the league that are <laughs> doing well. Like, recruiting's going to be – Again, NIL makes it different now. I get it, but that dude can just flat out coach. And the few times I've been around him, like I'm just like, man, you can't get fired up for playing for that dude. You definitely you have problems. Yeah, we've definitely uh, come across Utah Twitter, not in a bad way, but we uh, we do a little bracket time here, and 
<laughs> their their uh their crowd got behind Rice Eccles and had them beaten Rand uh, Camp Randall on the Twitter poll, and we were just sitting there like, I we can't. We like to right. go with Twitter and with our social media fans out there, but I'm just know, saying like Camp Randall. I get it. I, I have not full disclosure. I've not been doing a game at Camp Randall, and when I see it, it's awesome. But I would say that like I I would say. Utah fans are right because if it's a night game there, I rival it to like a night game at Penn State, a night game in Blacksburg. Like, and again, Camp Randall too. I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm guaranteeing that probably let's say, let's be fair, let's say 80% of each fan base has never been to the other stadium. Um, so it, it's tough. I mean, I've like I said, I've been to I haven't been to the horseshoe yet because I just despise that team and that fan base. Um I, I really I had a shot to go last year when Oregon was there, and I should have went because I knew Oregon was going to beat them, and it would have been nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been to the Big House, I've been to the Rose Bowl, I've been to games at uh, at Penn State. Uh, to, I've been to Alabama before. It was before Saban, not in his you know run now. Um, and obviously, throughout the Pac-12, I mean, I've pretty much been to only place I haven't really gone and I kick myself and literally it's the last one left is, um, is Cal to see the bears. But I mean, and I, I've passed on going to ASU games there before and I'm like, man, I should have just went, but yeah, being to Stanford, being to, uh, you know, UW is phenomenal. And, and Eugene, obviously Austin state, like I said, like you think they're on top of you in Utah, not too many people when they're rolling, want to go to Eugene either. So it's, uh, like I said, I, I respect Camp Randall, but I'm just going to say that it's it's one of those things where, you know, and it's funny because uh, Washington State, who has a huge traveling fan base, which I'm sure you guys know this from Twitter, too. I mean, Washington State always has a game day presence, which is hilarious. Right. But they go to Camp Randall. Yeah, they play at Wisconsin the second week of the season. So, I mean, Looking again. that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at, like real, and before we like get into it, the only t- the team that's got an insane schedule, and I was saying Colorado. Hats off to Carl Lorel because I'm sure these were, but they open up home against TCU, and then they they're on the road at Air Force and on the road at Minnesota. So they do not play an FCS, uh, an FCS school. So hats off to Colorado. And again, I hope they can beat Minnesota. That would be phenomenal. Um, for the conference, but to open up against TCU and then take on a tough air force team, like, you know, I'm not saying obviously air force isn't like a, you know, a top five team, but still they're, they've always uh, hung in the top 15. So good for, uh, good for them. I'm waiting for that spirit Memphis. Cause Doug is a huge Ohio state fan and Tug isn't with us tonight, but he's a Academy oh. fan and alum. So I'm waiting for it. It's coming. <laughs> I mean, and that's another thing, like, that's fine. USC going to the Big Ten, like it ruins that the beatdown of those uh, those Rose Bowl matchups. And even for like Stan, like David Shaw, like I know we're just talking about Kyle Whittingham, and I'll let you guys get to it and ask me stuff. But like, I mean, him and David Shaw, like to me, there's no reason. Like in Whittingham, again, maybe he doesn't want to, but I mean, you're in Palo Alto. It's a phenomenal like site. Obviously, it's not. I mean, again, just being in that area is phenomenal. Um, but the fact that this guy hasn't gone to the NFL, I mean, again, Stanford might come down with injuries, but right. I always tell people there's two teams in this conference that I will never give anybody a hard time for saying that that they um, 
that they may have won, but the next week they just got mauled because even throughout practice, it was just too physical. And that's BYU and uh, or no, sorry, Utah and Stanford. Like you play those two teams, you know, and again, not that I'm not saying everybody else is finesse and not that I don't have tough guys, but you play those two teams for 60 minutes and you know, you're absolutely getting physically punched in the mouth. Like when Harbaugh was there and then Shaw takes over, like I said, they might get banged up and, have injuries and, you know, go through two or three quarterbacks. But you're not going to go out of those games. And a, a different coach is not even just, you know, Coach Edwards or when Todd Graham was at ASU or even Dirk Cutter before, you know, Dennis Erickson before that, Dirk Cutter. Like, it's just those things. Like, you're not getting out of those games without feeling that you've been literally beaten up. And, again, not in a cheap way, but it's just – it's going to be physical for 60. And if you beat them, well, good luck winning the next week is their motto. I think we'll talk plenty about records, predictions, and conference winners at the end here. Let's look at these first-year coaches. What do we say? All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, So, obviously, we've already mentioned Lincoln Riley heading to USC. That's, of course, a big move. Uh, Everyone has talked about it ad nauseum already this offseason, and we've talked about it a lot, too, already this show. I will just say one thing (laughs) real quick. With Lincoln Riley, if you can do it in Oklahoma after – if you can be the guy after the guy, as we all know, that Bob Stoops was, and, again, maybe they didn't – do well in Fiesta Bowl. And then was again. And, yeah, and, uh, then, and then you – yeah, you stay the guy for, you know, five years. And, again, it's – but when you can recruit offensive line like that, that'll be the most interesting to be with him at USC. But, sorry, go ahead. Clay oh, Hilton going to Georgia Southern. Point. That, yeah, uh, I don't know how, who to really call the former coach of USC. I think right now we're technically saying Clay Hilton was the old coach there even though he was fired a couple of games into the season uh, and got hired at Georgia Southern immediately. So he's been <laughs> technically the head coach of Georgia Southern for a long time now, but this will be his first season. At yeah, Georgia that was, Southern. <laughs> yeah. That was, hey, you know what? Good for him though. Like it was, it was odd too. I was like, wait, yeah. wait they're not, they're doing what? I mean, nothing stops you from hiring somebody and see, I mean, you can't talk to a, somebody else's assistant coach, but if somebody gets canned, Hey, right. come coach our team. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. I think the other two coaches that left, Mario Cristobal, now the head coach of Miami, and Jimmy Lake, who didn't want to get the shot, these are two very – like, Jimmy Lake, okay, get it. You violate university policy. It makes sense. It is, in the grand scheme of things, a weird firing, I guess, is technically what it ended up being. Well, and Nick Mar- Rolovich, too. Are, would you mean Nick Rolovich, too? Nick Rolovich from Washington State, he didn't get the shot either, and that's why he got let is go. Is he gone as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he got tossed, like, after the uh, – Yeah. Fifth, fifth or sixth game last year, and they that's kept. True. Uh, Jake Dickard is still the head coach there. I didn't list him as a first year head coach because he coached half the season and the bowl game, and it felt kind of legitimate, you know. Uh, well, you, I mean, he was just the only reason they kept him because he won the Apple Cup. So, right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he took over as like the interim, just, but you knew yeah, they were going to hire his point five season. Right now, and then uh, there you go. This is this is season one and a half going into right, so exactly right. Washington State dealt with that as well. You're absolutely right. Uh, but Kalen DeBoer coming into Washington is That's amazing. Huge. Love yeah. that hire, and Dan Lanning going to Oregon is going to change the shape of that team for sure. Has to. Even Mario Cristobal being somewhat of a defensive guy, Dan Lanning just right. led the best defense in college football history. So, very and interesting to see what Oregon can do there. In, in the rankings, they put him in eight. And one of the coaches' rankings I looked at for this year's Pac-12, and it came out, 
you know, it, it came out a little bit after the new year, but or after the season ended. But there were it was like still it was like um, obviously they love what he did as a defensive coordinator in Georgia. And he says if he lives up to the hype, expect him to you know land third on next year's list, which would be behind um, because USC will still be there, Lincoln Riley, and you know they're assuming like and Kyle Whittingham, you know. So yeah, that that's that's I'm with you. That's a heck of a hire. Um, uh, for them. And then, yeah, uh, Kalen DeBoer, like you said, I mean, you know, you, you come from Fresno state and I mean, Fresno state's had a tradition of coaches that again, they're the team that plays these other teams, you know, yes, they're a division one school. They're not an FCS school, but, you know, I remember when, you know, I think his predecessor, I mean, well, maybe one before him, Pat Hill, his theory was anyone, anywhere, anytime didn't care. Like yeah. he's like, great, we're Fresno State. You think, you know? And as I AD, thought they were in the Pac-12 for a good minute. Like they're, they're playing State. everybody. Well, oh, that's, yeah. but that's my point. Like they, oh, yeah. they, they will play they, anybody. They played USC one year. I remember they played. That's a while back. They played USC, and then they had a uh, was it Alabama or Auburn? They played. I think Alabama or Auburn, and then the next week they went up and they played Wisconsin. Like, Jeez. and and they beat Wisconsin, <laughs> which was even yeah. better. Like. And Pat Hill just said, yeah, I'm not going to turn away from anybody. But his AD is like, you got to chill on that because they got to pay us to come there. And if you beat them, then fine. But I want you to beat them. But, yeah, no, his theory, I mean, so, and you know, Fresno State's had, obviously, players that have, you know, come out and done well in the league. But, yeah, no, I mean, they they try to take – I mean, they've take on, taken on UCLA. They've taken on USC. Um, yeah, and I think they play uh, – who is it? They do play UCLA next year. Oh no, yeah, USC. Yeah, they play USC the third week of the season. So I mean, it's like that, like Oregon. I mean, they do have Eastern Washington, but you're talking about you know road games. I mean, they they play Georgia, then they have Eastern Washington, and then they decide to play BYU. So I'm like, you know, hats hats off to them, but. Yeah, I mean, if Dan Dan Lehman definitely he can do it. It's just uh, you know, might as well jump into the fire and see, and you get these coaches in here. So that, and that'll be really interesting too, because if they win, <laughs> if they win, it's like, oh, now you're gonna leave the conference, huh? Okay, well, bye. <laughs> Speaking of coaches, we got anybody on the hot seat? I would say technically no, right now, but there probably should be, because. Why in the world Cal signed Justin Wilcox to an extension? I'm not sure. I mean, he's won more than the last guy did, but at the same time, the last guy got fired for a reason. So, yeah, but it's, <laughs> I mean, I think Wilcox has done a good job. I mean, he has lost some assistant coaches too. I mean, they were kind of getting that thing, yeah, back up. And I think Cal's always one of those teams where, like, you have your, you definitely have your very solid. And I mean, I'm not punching down at them, but like role players, the guys that are on the field that not even just roll, but like they'll do their jobs very well. And if you have that, you know, if you have that, you know, Jared Goff at a quarterback, you have, you know, some of the receivers that they've been able to mix in over the years. And obviously the running backs too, they've always been able to run the ball. So it's like, I think with him, they're staying patient because again, recruiting to Stanford, recruiting to Cal, um, you know, even UW too. I mean, all of them, but I mean, it's academically like it's, you know, it's just right. like Notre Dame it's always. Years. It's like you're, yeah. you're getting like when, uh, when Josh Rosen 
was tired of hearing stuff and the reporter asked him something and was at UCLA. He goes, well, let's just be honest. The academic requirements at UCLA are a little bit different than they are. I don't know if he said Alabama or Tennessee, but he just ripped them. And I'm like, and people in the SEC are like on Twitter, as you could imagine, going nuts. And one of my friends sent me screenshots of SEC fans and alum misspelling some quite a few words and they weren't, you know, Oh, like you want to have some fun. Him. Yeah. Go, so he sent, some, screen, uh, he sent me he sent me the screenshots and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even going down that rabbit hole because it'll be <laughs> too fun and too easy. But I yeah, go tell me anything that Josh Rosen said that was wrong. Like again, it's a different, it's a different world. And to get into these schools, yeah, you do have to qualify. But I'm sorry, if you don't qualify um to get into whatever you want to say, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. I'll leave Vanderbilt out because obviously like that is very academic, but I'm just saying like, if you don't get into one of those, it's not like Stanford's your backup school. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's fair. That's a good perspective, I guess. Uh, Jonathan Smith is not going to get fired. He's a hometown no. guy at Oregon state. Everybody loves him. David Shaw is obviously never going to get fired. He'll leave when he feels like it. Um, Jed fish probably should be on the hot seat because well, of, they went one 11. Uh, yeah, but, but well, yeah, but I mean, he's taken over for Kevin exactly. Sumlin, who's worthless. Right. Um, and you know, <laughs> I know a lot of people at A's in Tempe were annoyed when Kevin Sumlin like didn't take the ASU like he was here. But then it's like, oh, he kind of used it as leverage to get A and M. And I was celebrating. Everybody's like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I was like, "Don't want him. Don't need him. Rather go after." At the time, I'm like, "Rather go after Charlie Strong." At Louisville, like you want to bring yeah. him over, right? Fine. I said he can recruit. I said I don't want Kevin Sumlin, and everybody starts transferring out of A and M before the portal. You're losing these guys left and right, and my friends are looking at me, guys, and I'm like, bulging. I'm like, it has nothing to do with being right. If you're not, I'm not talking about losing, you know, three some three star guys, maybe borderline two three star guys, three four star guys. I think they should be playing that aren't. I'm talking about losing like top commits that you like schmoozed and you know your other coaches did this and you know left and right whether you people feel players i always say think they're entitled in this gener this era or not um it's crazy to me how many people transferred out i was like yep didn't want him and then we went down to tucson like he came up to phoenix i think a few times recruit wise but like mostly his assistants did which is fine you want to divvy it up i get it you're the head coach but yeah, I wanted nothing to do with them. So right. the fact that he, he left U of A worse, I'm I'm all for, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I think Fish has done a good job. Like you know, like even Todd Graham did before Herman. Herm kind of extend, extended that, like getting alumni, like big alumni back, not just for the money, but like involved around the program. And you know, so I think he uh, it pains me as you know to compliment that team, but I think he's done a good job of that now. Will it turn over to the field? I mean, you look at their schedule, and look, I, I got to say hats off to them, too, because they open up at San Diego State, and then they host Mississippi State, which, again, Mississippi State's been, you know, whatever. People say, oh, SEC. They haven't done jack in I don't know how long um, and at a consistent level. but And then they play North Dakota State. Is there one, you know? Well, hey, NAU is their little warm-up uh, last year, and uh, NAU beat them for the first went. time in 92 years. So that was, that was awesome. But um, – yeah, no, it's uh, – I think Jed Fish, again, I think he won't be on the hot seat this year at all. Um, you know, you can't 
and I know everybody, again, in this day and age, I mean, if somebody wants to, they can. But, you know, if you fire that quick, who's really going to take the job if they know, like, oh, well, I didn't get this no or this right. didn't pan out. So I think, you know, I, I mean, it's not going out on a thin limb. We can get the records. Like, it'll be better than last year. But, no, I mean, he, he's definitely <laughs> brought back. He definitely brought back some excitement to uh, to that terrible city down south here. Um so yeah, I mean it's uh it, it it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I don't I don't see him being on the hot seat, but right. again, I mean you get off to you know you you only win one more game and maybe they just say, well, <laughs> you know, it, it you're not talking about an extension after that, so it's uh it's very interesting. No, I, I agree. I think the only only coach really on the hot seat is Lincoln Riley because he's the head coach at USC and that position is always That's a hot seat no matter what. Yep. So. <laughs> Right. We'll, we'll leave it. Yeah, Chip Kelly. I mean, again, people say like Chip Kelly, and I think he's, he's doing all right. Yeah. Eh, I mean, kind of recruiting it has gotten better, but it's not like record wise. It's not like they've you know they've 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 burned it up. You know, and and again, eight Utah, and four last year as with you were just talking about the academic requirements of a UCLA. Right. Oh no, eight but like, four is not bad. There's the talented players, and they'll get dudes right. in again. Not that they're like I said sliding by academically, but you know you're right. It's it's the, the talents there. And yeah, it took him a minute to change it up. I mean, I didn't think that Jim Mora, I didn't think what Jim Mora had was that bad, but yeah, I mean, for Chip Kelly, it's one of those things. And then you look at it. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, the great thing, the whole thing from that, I get it. Um, you know, and Carl Durrell, I guess people would say he's on the hot seat ish. Um, yeah. But I, again, like I said, Colorado's, Colorado's schedule coming out, TCU, Air Force, Minnesota. I mean, look, for them, if they go – if you go two and one, and, again, people can always say that, but, you know, even if you go one and two in that. Right. Like, right. And you, you can still win it. games. Like, you're going to feel yeah. – and look how competitive, I mean, Colorado was against A&M last year. A&M couldn't do anything. I mean, they're talking – and A&M won the game, and I'm watching, like, come on, Buffs, and – like defensively, they made plays, and then A and M made a few defensively, and then it, it, it got late, and A and M made you know was able to put a drive together, but A and M did nothing to make me think that yeah, okay, you talk about you know A and M, and you know then they go on and beat Alabama, and everybody's like, oh, I'm like, well then why don't you give Colorado more credit? You should like boost them up because like A and M could barely beat them, but it's you know it's so yeah, that's I, the way, I hope the rankings work. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we know that. That's the way most rankings work. Yeah. I like Paul Laurel. I think, you know, again, and I get it, you know, everybody, every, you know, alum supporters like, Oh, we need to win, you know, 11 games every year. It's like, come on. Like, okay. But yeah, I mean, if, like I said, they start out one and two, they should feel good. They start out two and one or three and oh, guarantee you they won't be in the top 25 preseason, obviously, but if they start out three and oh, they might get to like 20. But somebody from like yep. Mississippi State will start out one and two and be like thirteenth. Yep. <laughs> How it always goes. We're but right I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of the guys that these teams are losing to the NFL. Uh, defense wins championships, right? We're seeing a lot of first round defensive players from the Pac-12. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, of course, was talked about all years being the best prospect in the entire draft. Falls down to number five overall. The Giants certainly seems like they got themselves a steal uh drake london going as high as he did was surprising to me at the same time he's a very talented receiver and the falcons definitely needed that uh trent mcduffie and his 
cornerback duo partner, Kyler Gordon, yep. that that tandem was terrifying for oh. Washington. And then Devin Lloyd also went in the first round. He right. was my favorite linebacker in this class. How can he not uh, favorite favorite defensive player in the country last year? Honestly, I loved watching Devin Lloyd play, and when we played against him in the Rose Bowl, it was uh, it was very exciting. I enjoyed that immensely. So <laughs> yeah, that kid that kid ball from day one, and man, it's just you saw the improvement. But like he he stayed within the defense and just blew systems up. Like again, like. When he wasn't playing against ASU in that second half, I love watching him. But yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to kick him in the shins like that second half of the game, like just go <laughs> out for a, a series. But like you were talking about, though, UCLA certainly had plenty of talent there too. We saw Greg Dulcich go a lot higher than his production would have indicated, just right. because of the skills, the athletic talent was definitely there. Uh, Kyle Phillips was a good receiver going the fifth round. And then Quentin Lake, I enjoyed watching quite a bit uh, as a safety prospect. Ends up going the sixth round to the Rams. So there's there's talent all over this conference. Most of it that went in the draft last year, definitely on the defensive side of the ball. Very interesting to see. And then we look at recruiting here. And USC, once again, their highest rated recruit is a cornerback bringing in some defensive guys. Uh, the offense really came via transfer for USC, but the only five-star they had in that class last year was a corner, Damani Jackson, very much so looking forward to watching him play there too because corners in the Pac-12, man, that's – if you need a cornerback, I recommend watching some Pac-12 games. Oh, for real. That's, I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm just letting you go, man. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Like, I mean, when people say, you know – corners out of the sec and this and that and there's been some good ones and you know i know ohio state's gotten that moniker i'm like man before that like you you, you come out west because some of the best to do it um everybody's just play. slinging the ball out there too yeah but right. you know you also didn't mention my boy uh my boy jack jones that got drafted by the patriots come on man you gotta show my son that was a little love <laughs> we'll go back then uh no, no, Rashad just, white too Getting picked by the Bucks in the third round. Uh, DJ Davidson getting selected by the Giants in the fifth you know, round. Davidson's would like you talk like a late, I won't say a late bloomer, but like first he's playing, he's going to get to play next to Jermaine Lole two years ago, the COVID year. And Lole unfortunately yeah. gets hurt in fall camp, can't play. Now, doesn't play last year. And for Davidson, like you saw the growth, but that growth. I mean, what Lole meant to that line and just, again, not trying to do everything himself, but just how he could dominate. And we saw in practice, like, that's going to – that that to me, maybe not year one, maybe not year two, but, like, I'll say, like, year two, year three. What, Davidson, you're, people will look and be like, how do we pass on this guy? Yeah. And I got to say, one of my favorite seventh-round prospects this past year was Chase Lucas, too. So, my boy. oh, I interviewed him back in high yeah. school. He oh, went, wow. six, he went, he won. I mean, he went to high school here in Arizona. He obviously went to ASU, but yeah, we always, I mean, we, we talk a good amount after games. Yeah, I was so stoked for him. I mean, I know it was the seventh round, but man, doesn't matter. Like, that right, kid, you get that opportunity, his improvement, his improvement, especially tackling, you know, and all the stuff that went down and with the, you know, this whole recruiting violation thing with, but with Antonio right. Pierce and the second and him as a linebackers coach and Herm, I mean, focusing with the DBs, but like, 
how they got him to become a better tackler amidst him already being like a very good cover corner. Like he could give space. He could close down. He didn't, you know, if he wasn't on the hip pocket, he wasn't, you know, as you get older, wasn't uncomfortable. People say, well, he was here for five years. It's like, dude, it was COVID. Who cares? Like that's one of those, again, to me, that's a guy that I think, you know, this year, maybe if he plays in a nickel package, but if he, um, if he, uh, I was like, say, if he gets that those reps in that time, like it's a it's a guy I could see being, you know, a complimentary corner, the other side corner to a shutdown corner again. Absolutely. And and to me, people say, and I don't know if you've ever agreed with this, but people will always say like, "Hey, the uh, most, you know, positions that trans that transfer to the NFL pretty easily are corner and um, and receiver." or corner and, you know, running back, obviously picking up blitzes, but like just for what you need to do. And I say, yeah, but for corner, it's a speed thing, man. Cause you'll be going up against fast receivers in college fast ish, but every week there's a, there's, you know, there's two guys running four fours. <laughs> like it's, it's obviously a whole different ball game, but yeah, I mean, what, what Jack at, at that safety position, just, you know, undersized too. That's the other thing, maybe a little bit undersized. Um, but it's it'll be interesting for those two, but yeah, I think Davis is one of those guys that I think, you know, like again this year people say, oh well, he didn't do much, and then next year people are like, oh look at him, yeah, I, and you know you'll have everybody saying, I knew, I knew, you know, but it's just it's to me it's there. You put him next to somebody, the way he worked, and I mean the steps he took, it was yeah. just like, huh, right. But so I guess the, uh, in secondary, the last like five, like I'd say. God, I'd say last like eight years. Like to me, there's yeah, been no better right. second. Like all four positions, I'm talking a whole unit, not just one guy yeah. being stud and other, the other three guys being good. As a whole unit, the last seven to eight years, I'd put Washington secondary up against secondaries up against anybody's in the country. I agree, actually. Uh, so with that, I guess let's go ahead and jump to some players to watch. So in the past, we've done five players on offense, five players on defense oh. for the entire conference, oh, man. Uh, which is a daunting task. <laughs> But, you know, if we want to expand that a little bit, we can we can go there. I would say, obviously, the biggest names coming in, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. USC offense just got completely revamped. The best quarterback, the best receiver in the country, in theory. Uh, of course, Caleb Williams, probably third right now, technically, to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But he's right up there and probably tied with those two. That's a 1A, 1B, 1C. Right. So USC's offense is going to look very good. I talked about it up top. I love Cameron Rising and what he's done at Utah there. As yep. a true freshman last year was <laughs> nothing short of amazing. Yep. Uh, probably one of the big first-round prospects this year will be Jackson Kirkland, the tackle for Washington. Yep. <laughs> uh, looking forward to watching him play. Uh, crazy, though, that Oregon picked up the five-star tackle that was out of Seattle this past recruiting class not you dub so okay. wild well, to me and Oregon just landed uh what did I see the other day I was shotting it down but <laughs> bonex <laughs> or no yeah no <laughs> um no they just uh a 2023 recruit they just landed I don't know if it was a, it was a four-star receiver mm. something like that because they were talking about how how that's huge for because I think he he took him he chose Oregon over 
SC and just saying how huge it was for Dan Lanning to to get that, um, yeah. to land him. And, I mean, a lot of these, like, kids the last few years, too, like the guys that you're talking about, like, I mean, tra- the transfer portal has been a mess. Like, I, I, I had, like, two and a half, like, almost, like, three pages of just scribbles, like, of the transfer portal and I'm I'm not kidding you like I looked at rosters the last few days because yeah. I'm like all right let me I was looking at rosters and just thinking of the guys that are coming back and you know who could be really big but um I literally am waiting till like August 1st to like finalize any like prep stuff I do for rosters because I mean ASU right, has there's no way to predict that. it right now it's, it's ridiculous it's just Again, look, coaches could always jump ship. I'm not I'm not the curmudgeon on the lawn saying get off my lawn, don't transfer. But, like, this whole thing, like, with how many players are in the portal is just insane. So, yeah, yeah. When, when I'm looking at guys, I'm looking at ASU's roster, I'm like, oh, I like that, I like that. And, you know, they get and they got they lost a lot. But they got guys – they had some guys talking today and um, was uh, was listening to that. And it's just – it's just crazy. I mean, you, you see it. And I mean, I started reading like, you know, if you if you go alphabetical, like in division one, like it might take, it'd be like binge watching something on, on Netflix or something, because it might take you like three, four hours just to literally like get through. If you went alphabetical by not player, but like by school and then just for football, <laughs> I'm not even saying all, all sports that so you'd be binge watching for like three weeks and not leave your house or shower or anything. Like it's, it's crazy. So uh, to me, August like first, second, like that's a thing. But yeah, the guys you mentioned, I was looking at, I'm like, yep, they're gonna be good. <laughs> uh, one other guy I really want to shout out because he's probably my favorite FCS player of the last ten years, whatever. It just transferred to Washington State along with his offensive coordinator at Washington State was his head coach at Incarnate Word. Uh, Cameron Ward is gonna be amazing. Yeah. I I love Cameron Ward. I love Cameron Ward. <laughs> I literally have a Cameron Ward hat. One of his, as soon as NIL became a thing, he put out some branded merch and I bought a hat of his and I love Cameron Ward. So <laughs> right. uh, I will yeah. shout out one more because you're an Arizona State fan. I I want to see Ladarius Henderson, your guard. Uh, looking forward to him. Oh. And your running back is the Xavier Valade, the transfer. Right. I expect yep. him to be pretty good as well. Yeah, the kid from, yeah, from Wyoming. I was going to say him. Yeah. And he stole my – he stole my – Ladarius is – I'm not kidding you, like, the best to interview. Like, just even as a freshman, I mean, he gets his first start at left tackle at Michigan State. Where mm. the Devils win. Yes, I know, Big Ten, you're so great, but you couldn't beat ASU two tries in a row. <laughs> have a good day. Um, That's all right. That's all right. I'll let but, you have uh, it. But – but, yeah, I mean, he's been starting since his <laughs> freshman year. You know, guys that transferred out, and I thought he might hit the portal with everything going on. But, man, this kid has accepted the leadership role. I mean, you know, you can call all these kids babyface assassins, but just he, the way, like, I mean, he's grown. And, yeah, I mean, they've lost, you know, they lost quite a bit on the O-line. But, yeah, you listen to him talk after games, I mean, practice anything. Like, it's just the O-line's going to get it. He's been – he's that leader. He's not like – going out of his comfort zone, just getting yeah. in everybody's face. But, That's no, you're great. right. I mean, starting as a freshman at left tackle, and then, you know, even if they leave him at left tackle, I mean, they have another guy in from uh, – transfer in from uh, Wyoming, I think, that 
I mean, they got like three, like, so it's like they could all, there's one from Penn state. There's one again. I mean, this is the thing. Like I, I just read the list where it's like, I think it was like Penn state, Wyoming. And oh, there was another one too, man. But well, and they got the, the quarterback transfer from, uh, from uh, Alabama and Paul right. Tyson. Right. So it's funny. They got Paul Tyson. They <clears throat> recruited Bennett Meredith, who's a freshman who's coming in and came in and he's from Hoover, Alabama. So it's like you lose Jaden Daniels, which again, does suck. Um, but you basically, you know, use that transfer portal, Uno reverse card and pulled an offense out of thin air. So right. Worked out. Worked I mean, out for you, you. Got a guy like you got a guy coming back like Ben Scott, who, I mean, was talking today should should probably be playing, um, play at center. Um, yeah. But so, but let's go ahead and jump to the defense here, oh, okay? Uh, because I do want to hit on an interesting point. Uh, we've just talked about how great the defensive backs are in the Pac-12 over the past however many, right? As long as the Pac-12 has existed, uh, yeah. Um, this year, though, I'm way more excited about the linebackers across the conference. You're looking at mm-hmm. Noah Sewell up in Oregon. Right. Omar Spates at Oregon State is really yeah. good. Jackson ever. Sermon heading to Cal. Very, very great athlete at linebacker. And my favorite, not the best, but my favorite, would be your guy, Merlin Robertson. Oh, Merlin coming back. Yeah, I mean, he he had such a great – well, first of all, all those guys, like you mentioned, yeah. Like, I mean, and, and Cal over the years, I mean, that's one I talked – I know I talked about them earlier having like, you know, we're talking offense, but even defense having a playmaker, but – Man, the one thing Cal's always seemed to place to me has been a lot, like you said, might not be the fastest, right. might not be the best, but is going to finish the season with like 85 to 90 plus tackles. And you're going to know right. where they are every single play. Cal has been, <laughs> like you said, no matter who's been there to me, like that's kind of like that, that's always been there for them to me overall. And like, yeah, so it was with them, all those guys and, yeah, I mean, I look at it, and I'm like, gosh, I'm like, all right, it's going to be – let's play some defense, boys. But, yeah, I mean, Washington's secondary will still have the advantage, and we'll see what, what they can do. Um, but those yeah. linebackers, you're right. Merlin Robertson, though, like I said, for me being here at ASU, like to start as a freshman, I mean, when Herm came in and that's what they were – him and Antonio Pierce and the coach staff were saying, like, competition, like – we got new coaches gone. A coach got fired. It's not not saying it's not your fault, but if a freshman can play, I mean, they played like I think it was like seventeen freshmen Herm's first year, and Merlin Robinson yes. had a hell of a freshman year. His yeah. sophomore year got a little nicked up, had some personal stuff too, but eh. And then the COVID year wasn't bad, but they only played four games, so it's right. like oh, okay, you know, we we saw what they could do. I mean. Um, and then last year, again, overall, not bad. I mean, it, it, he looked – again, he looked getting back to that form. So, I'm with you. This year, though, like, it, to me, again, he's not he's not the loudest guy. Like I said, he's not going to be the, like, the, like the rah-rah guy or this or that. But you, you, you coach him up and you see what he did in spring ball and you see how, you know, once we get – once they get to fall camp, like – it's it's a because I talked to Antonio. It's funny you say that, but we're talking about linebackers. I asked Antonio Pierce that is for their first year here, and I said, you know, I go, Pac-12 in general has always had been known 
for secondaries defensively. I said, mm-hmm. not that there haven't been good, there have been very good pass rushers, good, some good interior. I go, right. But right. linebackers to me, I think have kind of always gotten the short end of the stick. And he, he was talking about obviously when he played down in, you know, Tucson and just different linebackers he knew of and, you know, mm. in the conference. And to me, Merlin Robinson just has that, has that kind of personality, but yeah, man, that, that, that kid from Cal and the kid from Oregon, like, dude, I'm with you. Like it's, and even the kid from Oregon State, like, again, Oregon State's been so up and down and I, I, I it's, it's frustrating. I know for, for their fans, cause you can go from seasons with Mike Riley to like eight, nine wins, beating USC, upsetting USC yeah, up there, yeah. beating USC in Southern California. And the next year you go 0 12. And then, and then, well, he wouldn't go 0 12, <laughs> but saying, you know, towards the end, they want to fire him. I'm like, why do you want to fire Mike right. Riley? Like, yeah. again, we were talking about know your audience. And again, it's not that you can't get good players. And I'm not saying that, it's, again, it's not, it's not like academics are like, oh, you can just have a 2.0 GPA. Like, but you're you're still recruiting to Coral Vallis. Like if they're good enough to be there and they're getting, you know, into Eugene or like you said, even I mean, if you've ever been to UW, Seattle's I mean, that campus is phenomenal. Like I'm I'm part of Isn't it the, basically right in the middle of downtown? Seattle. Well, like, it's off the water. Like you can come into the football stadium, people can come in off the water. Tailgating. It's, it's it, yeah. It's um, I mean, that right. campus, again, the money up there, like good for them. But like you're competing, you're still recruiting against that. Like and they've right. gotten good players throughout that we've seen guys like it's just like Mike Riley. I was like, damn, because when when I thought they were gonna fire Mike Riley and they didn't, they wait another year. I was like, I was like, uh our, our athletic director and Michael Crow, our president, better be sitting on the tarmac there in up in Coral Vallis to interview Mike Riley. And then he got the Nebraska job. And I mean, of course, he's not a yeah. Nebraska guy, and after like a year and a half they're like oh well this i was like dude this guy if he can recruit to coral Vallis, he can recruit to lincoln absolutely but right yeah i mean those linebackers there that you said like just yeah it's gonna be interesting to me because i think that i I think that like you said utah's defense definitely right there Mm -hmm. i think that uh you know, Oregon, or we'll have to see what, what like what oregon does because to me that's that's the one thing like i i Yes. Do I, I mean, obviously Atlanta being a defensive guy, I'm a hundred percent with that. But when I mean, when you look at last year, I mean, okay, they were, they were uh, obviously seven and two in conference, but then you got Utah that's eight and one defensively ASU lost quite a bit. And then the transfer portal screwed things up a little bit more. <laughs> um, but UCLA's defense, I wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't bad last year. But it wasn't crazy impressed. Colorado, I thought, got better as the season. And not even just because the AM game early, but I thought their defense like was pretty steady. Their offense just couldn't score. Uh right. Arizona, like I, was, I mean, all trash talking aside, rival school, but Arizona can't get any worse. So it can only be up for them. <laughs> they um, can. They can win zero games this well, year. Well, I mean, yeah, they could go 0 and 12. But I mean, uh, yeah. Didn't it's, they lose to northern Arizona though? So it's, yes, it's, for the first time in 92 years. That right. was crazy. It's hard man. to get much worse. You know, <laughs> Washington's first loss to Montana in like a hundred yeah, five years yeah. or something like what that. A weird yeah, year last yeah. year. So it was it was look again, you're you're gonna I've always said this for the power five conferences. And I always ripped on and I rip on ASU and U of A for signing a deal with NAU. And again, good for NAU. It gets money. I love that school. It's awesome. It's better than U of A um, who they want to be called U Arizona. I'm sorry. It's been U of A forever. I just, cause they're that dumb and they feel like changing it. 
none of us are just, just letting you guys know that. But um, like, I can't stand that. Like you have to be undefeated in college football because of the trash out of conference games they play. And I don't like right. to rip on anybody trying to compete because I always go back to Mike Tyson's best quote. And yes, it's for boxing, but it goes to any sport, but especially football. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Then what's right. your plan? Because right. there's somebody across the line from you now, like for, for, you know, ASU and, you know, U of A and, you know, the, the Texas's, Ohio State's, Alabama's, Auburn's, like Georgia's, like to me, those schools that they play, like you notice the first quarter is not too bad. And then the second quarter might be okay, but these teams don't have the depth. So if you and I lose yep. a four-star guy or a five-star guy, well, we're backing them up with a four-star guy. Like right. they don't have the depth. And it's like, that's why – Shortly, I hate rankings, preseason rankings, all rankings, because you should be penalized for every for once you play them, even if you beat them, you beat them fine. But every time they lose the rest of the year, it should drop lots of points in the rankings. They keep losing. You keep dropping them. Um, well, you would certainly enjoy the uh, BDT trench ratings that we do our own ranking system uh, very much based on that concept yes. to so. me it's again and it's unfair because i look like when appalachian state and if you're a Ohio state fan beat michigan like i went at first i was like oh yes. my god and then you know you get like somebody like troy that beats beat somebody in the sec like they got a million dollars for that i'm like good for right. them good right. for them north like, dakota state gets money every year to do that to somebody right and it's like <laughs> yeah it's like you have somebody across the line for you punching in the mouth. So if they stay, if they're healthy coming in and they can, their starters, again, your starters might be a little bit better, but it's not going to be, especially in this day and age, it's not yeah. going to be like it was, you know, in the fifties where it's like, Oh, okay. It's like there. Where and those then, other you know, schools have like two. Yeah. And then all over the eighties and nineties. And then in the two thousands, it was kind of like, okay, like we have guys that can start that can ball here, yeah. but like we just don't have the depth. So, yeah, no, it was the first time, and they obviously don't play every year, but in 92 years that NAU had beaten Arizona. And I was, I mean, I couldn't have been happier that night. I was like, it's bad for the conference. We're going to get ripped on more. Who cares? As long as Oregon goes and beats Ohio State, at least that'll help it out <laughs> next week. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where, and you're right, with the, like, like, I'll just say this lastly about rankings and forever. They're – Preseason rankings are stupid. The coaches poll is stupid. It should just be called the SIDs poll because if you and I are good coaches, we have no time to sit there and rank 25 teams. Exactly. And we exactly. shouldn't have time to. So yep. call it the SIDs poll. I, I I respect they know what they're talking about, but of course people are gonna, you know, puff up their conference if they can. Like, but there should be no rankings until the second week of October or after the games of the first week of October, that after yep. that Saturday, that's when all the rankings should come out. hundred percent week five, I, the AP, yep, exactly the do. AP, the, you know, the, the, the coaches well, stay and tuned to our show in the fall because you'll certainly right. enjoy what you hear then. <laughs> we, we basically do exactly that. So, nice. <laughs> so let's put it all together now and let's finally make our predictions for this PAC 12 conference. What a season this is going to be. Uh, a lot of parity, it feels like. There are multiple teams with a chance at the division in each division. So I guess let's start with the North and okay. Oregon losing their head coach and their best defensive player, and the offense is going to look different. I still haven't winning the division, though, for some reason. I guess I just have faith in Oregon at this point. Yeah. What do you guys I mean think? 
I, I wanted to be a contrarian all the way around as well because I did not follow you uh, on the South. We talked about parody, and we'll talk about more about uh, our picks there. But I, I got to go with Oregon as well. I I have too much trust in them, and I guess it's probably because of the name they built up to this point in time. However, I could easily see it being Oregon State or Washington. And who knows, Stanford, they're not projected to have a fantastic year this year, but you never know. Stanford's one of those teams that can always surprise you, it seems like. I don't know. Cam Reward comes in hot. Washington State goes undefeated. I was gonna say if Washington State. <laughs> oh, okay. If it, it, your guy will be winning the high, we'll have to give him the Heisman for you. We'll have our own special. <laughs> yes. No, yes. It's, it is a good pickup. No, it is. It is a very obviously a very solid pickup. I was gonna say like Washington State, like depending on what their offense can do, because I mean defensively, from what I jotted down, they're getting mostly. I mean everybody back, and it looks like their depth. Yeah, true. Is okay. I mean. Again, they gave up. They gave up some drives, but they had some young guys out there too. Again, not an excuse. You got to play, um, and they had to go through the deal with the coaches' coaches' turmoil and to turn it around like they did. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. They went six and three in conference, and seven and six. People were like, "Well, big deal." Seven and six. I'm like, you don't understand. It was like a one and four start, right, <laughs> or whatever right. it was. So, I, okay, the North. If I had to slot it, I'd go. Man, this is tough. I'd go Oregon. No, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a little bit of the upset because I like. I like the higher. I think. I think Oregon will be right there. I'm gonna go Washington, Oregon, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State. Ooh, wow! All what right. You say at the bottom. Yeah, a little bit of a drop off there for them, but I, just, I can totally it, see it. And I don't think they're gonna be bad. I, and I'm because yeah. I'm with you to yeah. your logic and your point. You make it great. They're like. And people can say, like, that's why real quick I say there is no best conference because for the for the for the top four or five teams of let's say you know, not even a generation, but for the top four or five teams, say of like a, a three or four year block, there's the bottom four or five teams. Like I've always yep. given teams props for winning. Like great, you won. Yep. But when you tell me of the best conference, and I can look and rattle off five teams that haven't done anything. Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, they're the smart kids, but right. <laughs> Vanderbilt, Mississippi. I look and I say it in Pac-12. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You, you want to pick on you want to pick on Cal for not really having done anything in 15 years? Okay. You want to pick on Washington State for being hanging around 500? Right. I'm not going to sit there and say that to you. But when USC and Oregon and even with like with you know in Todd Graham's beginning and even Dennis Erickson's beginning, like you know you had you had USC, Oregon, Washington, ASU, like right there. And even yeah. if ASU was fourth, like it was still yeah. like we have the top half. Okay, we have the bottom half of our conference too. And then you still have UCLA, which is no slouch. What yeah. wasn't a slouch really? I say to you, but yeah, you you want to pick on Oregon State? Okay, you want to say Washington State? Okay, you want to say Arizona? Definitely not going to you know defend them too much. <laughs> um, but I get that. But that's why I say people in the SEC like you talk out of both sides of your mouth. You can't have the best conference and lose to some schools and then be like, oh, yeah, but that doesn't count. No, no, no. The game the game was real. One on the record. It counted. Like, And I know you're laughing because right. I'm sure you've heard wonderful debates like that, and I just laugh. But, but yeah, I, I, and, again, I don't think that – I also don't think it's going to be um, – I don't think Stanford's going to be three and nine. I mean, all these teams literally yeah. could ruin each other's playoff chances. Because it could be, could be a think, historic season where everybody goes six and six and just – <laughs> yeah that would be again that would be that would be crazy in spain but yeah i mean i you know because like i said i 
I think Washington do, but I'm with you too. I think I could see Washington State winning it. And then if you know if Oregon's defense, uh, if Oregon's defense comes into it, and Dan Lanning, I mean, again, if the, the offense is is usually the offenses to start the season, as we know, are always ahead of the defenses, just because it's like, well, or no, the right. defense always stays a little bit ahead of the offense because right. Right. you're still trying Whatever to get that yeah. chemistry and everything, right? So. But if Oregon has a defense locked down, I mean, yeah, it could be one of those things where everybody else is battling and they're running away with the North. But, I mean, yeah, with what Washington State did, um, definitely the players had a rally, and I think they got that kind of – I mean, we've all played sports. Once you kind of get that winning taste in your mouth, you're like, oh, so we got to work a little bit up. harder. Right. we got to work a little bit harder, but we can ball with all of them. We can play them. Well, let's go to the south now. I'll say Arizona is definitely the bottom feeder. Uh, but <laughs> okay, you're going out on a limb. <laughs> uh, I think this is really boring because I picked Oregon to win the North. I'm going to pick Utah to win the South. Let's have a repeat of the championship game. I think that's the most logical thing. Cam Rising is going to be amazing this year, and it's going to take a year or two for USC to become anything again. That's my prediction. Wow, I, I don't completely disagree with you there but i want to be a little bit different here i think chip kelly's really starting to get some things together there and i think this will be the year that they go back to the pac-12 championship game i've got ucla winning the south this season wow all right i don't know if look for usc again with the right coach and the talent they have they, but you hey, asu show the last two years they can punch them in the mouth and they right. have. I mean, when your boy, when your Ohio boy Trainum was here as a freshman, he was destroying them. And then ASU just couldn't play defense for a minute and a half or two and a half minutes is what it came down to. And that was pathetic because they had that it game. It really won. was like a minute 45. Yeah. I mean, it was, was all that, one, that changed the game. Yeah. yeah. They, got, they got, it was two, <laughs> uh, 220 all together, but they got, you're right. They got. I watched that whole game. I was like, there's oh. no way this goes the way it ended up going because yeah. oh. it was, really came down to I know. a minute and a half. I was, I was watching it too, and I was in I was in shambles. Like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but no, d- look, defensively, I, I think they're right there. And again, like we said, you get Williams. They have a running game. I know their offensive line was a team, like, was a little banged up, but there was kind of, we'll, we'll see what Lincoln Riley, because that's one thing Oklahoma was a staple for. Is look, everybody says best, there's no best this, there's best that. I'm like, look, you want the best offensive line in the country, you just look at Norman because Bob Stoops he understood that from the beginning. Like, we, yep. if we got to have these quarterbacks and they got to be able to throw, we got to have six foot five dudes that are 330 pounds that are just going to laugh at you if you try to push them. Basically, like, you're not going anywhere. Um, I mean, what was it? I think it like a Bob Stoops, like, last three years, they gave up less sacks than. The amount of sacks they gave up was less than um, was I mean it was it was the least, but it was like I think it was like they said like it was a ridiculous number. It could have been like I have to relook it up, but like seventy five or eighty five FBS schools um, had given up like four or five times as many sacks in a like as that in a season. Like it was insane. So we'll see what USC does with their offensive line. But if I have to go, okay, South. It, look, it, it's hard to pick pick you against Utah, um, but I think it goes. I think it goes Utah, and I will be a homer, but I just think it's because not one team is going to look at them on paper because of all the transfers and what they have came in. I think it goes Utah, ASU, USC, 
UCLA, Colorado, Arizona. I respect that a lot. I can definitely see that happening. Uh, so with my championship game, Oregon, Utah. Yeah. First year <laughs> head coach, I'm going to take Utah, I guess. Yeah, let's go. Let's go Utah back to back. That feels yeah. wild. If ASU can't go undefeated, oh, I'll let you go. I was going to say, if ASU can't go undefeated, I want Utah to go undefeated. You know, I I had Oregon penciled in here. I don't trust a first-year head coach in a championship game in a completely Ooh. new conference. So I got to go UCLA as well. I can't I <laughs> Look at this. bring up a very good point. I was overlooking that a little too much, I think. The Chip, Chip Kelly, Kelly going hard, fifth year. All Chip right. Kelly, yeah, look at that. The Chip <laughs> Kelly effect. And I'm not saying it's it can't his happen. former school, too. I think that would that's really ought to be the chair yeah. at the top, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like things ended bad there. He just wanted an NFL job. But you're right. No, against Oregon, it would be cool. But it, I mean, it, it's not like it was, oh, we got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. Like he want. I mean, people were. I think it would be know, hyped by the media more than. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I mean, so your championship game here, from what you said, I think it'd be Washington, Utah. Washington, Who you got winning that? Oh, I have Utah winning that in their undefeated <laughs> season, going to the college football playoff and just demolishing whoever they play and winning right. like both times and winning it all. I would okay. love look, if ASU if ASU is undefeated. Yes, I will be on. I've been on that train. I will be on that train. I'll be talking educated trash. I won't be like you know talking on both sides because <laughs> there'll be issues. But if if ASU can somehow do it, because like I said, when I look at their schedule, um, for for uh, ASU, I mean, they open up against NAU, but then they go to Oklahoma State. <laughs> so, I mean, you should beat NAU. They're not going to overlook that because of what happened last year, and Herm's not like that or against Arizona. But then you have Oklahoma State. Then you have uh, Eastern Michigan, which, again, could be kind of an overlook game at home. But then, oh, you know who their first conference game is at home? <laughs> the University of Utah, which is uh, September 24th, which bodes terrible for Utah fans. Right. Is it still going to be 107 degrees on the field? <laughs> true, very true. Oh man, I <laughs> I think the Pac-12 is going to be very exciting again this year. And I think the North. Least... I'm with you. I think the North will be more competitive, though. I don't. Again, at, yeah, I, I don't see. Yeah. Again, if Arizona, look, Arizona, I think could win. When I, I mean, again, when I look at their schedule, I mean, San Diego State, <laughs> I could see being a loss. Mississippi State, I could see being a win. And not just because I hate the SEC. I'll say it this. It's on the road. Or, no, it's a home game. It's it's in Tucson. So, yeah, Mississippi State has humidity, but it's also going to be like 110, 100, 105, 110 down in Tucson. And then they play North Dakota State. You said North Dakota State? Yeah. <laughs> they play North Dakota State in Tucson the next week. So the unfortunate thing is North Dakota State could whip up on them. The unfortunate thing is it's going to be 110 when North Dakota State comes rolling in. Well, I think Arizona State's going to go eleven and one, only loss being to North Dakota State. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, you mean Arizona? That's Arizona. Okay, all right. Yeah, Arizona. Arizona's Arizona gonna go... goes eleven and one. Oh my Jet god! Fish gets all the money. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Oh, well, like no, the year no, 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 because that means they would have ended their five oh, game uh, losing streak against ASU. So he can go ten and two. <laughs> Oh, I don't man. think either of those are going to happen. Let's be real. All right. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. It was a great discussion oh. talking about the Pac-12. Uh, I can tell you're very passionate about the Pac-12. So it's good to have you on. Uh, certainly appreciate your insights. Absolutely. If you want to go ahead and shout out your own podcasts, uh, any anywhere people can find you. 
Yes, at Diablo00, Sun Devil alum on Twitter. Um, yeah, one, like I said, once probably the end, I'll just have my updates on Twitter, but probably the middle to end of September, I'll restart up my uh, Believe in Pac-12 basketball because, once again, I mean, with the transfer portal and, I mean, I'm keeping track of rosters, but I'm not talking any hoops until uh, the end of middle end of September. Um, and then on usually on Mondays and Wednesdays, although – they didn't need me tonight, which worked out well for this. Uh, you can check me out on the uh, sports arena on sideline sports. But again, hit, follow me on Twitter at Diablo zero zero. Check out the podcast. And yeah, I mean, I'll come back to talk any conference with you guys anytime because I definitely have my uh, I watch. And I will say this about Thibodeau. Everybody's talking about Aiden Hutchinson, who had a phenomenal season and phen- like last two seasons, his last two seasons were good. Last season, he was insanely great. Came on Thibodeau had the spotlight as bright as the state of Texas on him from the second he walked into Oregon. Absolutely. And I'm not taking, and people say this like, oh, you're just being a conference homer. I'm not taking anything away from, from uh, Hutchinson, but you didn't have the spotlight on you and had to deliver for four years. And then yep. to go in and that, and that's what I say. One thing all, all like trash talking aside about, you know, conferences, the bit like despising Ohio state, but you went into – they go into Columbus and beat the team at the time, like you said, without the best defensive player in the country. And at the time, it's not even close. Like, there's good corners and there's really good linebackers. But what he did from a pressure standpoint is freshman year, his sophomore year, and then junior year, and people – and then last year, like, oh, he's kind of injured. I'm like, you know, at least he's not coming out saying he's not playing. He just wants to get really, really healthy because he knows he's going to the draft. So the fact that Giants, like you said, when they took him at five – and I mean, you'll probably want to pick him even more. I'm, I, I grew up a, a diehard Cowboys fan. I would have loved to have seen him in a Cowboys uniform. But when he was falling, I said, are you kidding me? Like the right. Giants are going to pick right. him up. Then the Giants get the offensive lineman out of the Neil kid, what, out of Alabama. I'm like, cool. You just, you just crushed the draft. You just crushed the first, the top 10. Like have a good day. And people saying, oh, well, Hutchinson. I'm like, dude, Hutchinson is going to be good. I'm like, but don't tell me Kayvon Thibodeau can't match anything he does i'm like i'm I sorry know. i just I, when, you, when you have a spot like that big on you like it, it's yeah. it makes it different you're talking about those two guys and then the number one overall pick ended up being some other guy from georgia so all right <laughs> he'll be good too but i just he'll, he'll, yeah oh, they'll all three always be compared so but yeah no man well, thanks for having me guys it was awesome i'll do this yeah. anytime. all right yeah thank you so much michael so that was our Pac-12 preview. A uh, bit of a longer one, but certainly appreciated the great insights into the conference. Some things that you don't understand unless you've been watching them for a long time. So some some really great conversation there. And hopefully and you hey, enjoyed this it. Is, and, uh, this is Power 5 football, baby. There's a lot of right. passion around these conferences, and you're absolutely going to be seeing – more conversations like this in the coming weeks. If you are a fan of the ACC or Big 12, please reach out to us. Or is it Big 10? It's Big 10. Yeah, we have a Big 12 guy, I think. Yeah, we Stay do. tuned we for do. that. Stay tuned for that. That's giving you're away fan, too much information. <laughs> if you are a fan of the Big 10 or ACC, please let us know. Hit us up. And uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, we would love to have you on. So, I think yeah. Got some other business to talk about. One last thing. Whoa. 
Oh, it man. is bracket This time. is a legitimate reaction every time, too. I'm still equally embarrassed by this every single time. It happens. On how can you be embarrassed by this? Let's see how today's bracket unfolds. <laughs> What else could we do? We're so inspired to say. by you. All right, so that if you don't know, happened since last bracket time. If you don't know, we have a bracket going on right now, where we are counting down the best of the Power Five stadiums. Uh, not just the current Power Five, but also the teams coming into the Power Five very soon. So Power Five plus five, uh, and the very nice sixty-nine teams in this bracket, uh, and we are slowly working our way down four matchups a week we appreciate your support on our twitter polls we've been getting some great results recently keep it up guys because that really does help us a lot so at bdt football on twitter vote in our polls and uh we had plenty of votes this week let's go ahead and dive in to bracket time uh our first matchup of the day university of tennessee versus texas christian tcu uh, Neyland Stadium versus Amon G. Carter. And this was quite the blowout for Tennessee uh, on Twitter. And then our other play, our other poll, it was actually a tie. I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. Either. I think it was um, a bunch of ball haters. And I want to say, Crazy <laughs> Frog, you're absolutely correct. That is a beautiful singing voice. And I do love the Billy Joel cover. Doug, you're being too hard on yourself. I appreciate it, guys. This is why I keep you around. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tennessee needs to move on here. It It's not very close. I don't want to talk too much about the traditions of Neyland Stadium yet because we will definitely need to get into that in the future rounds. But Absolutely. And we've talked about Amon G. Carter yeah. Stadium a couple – or at least once already on this bracket. Look, it, you don't stack up to Neyland Stadium. That hurts me to say. You just don't. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Next matchup of the day here, we have Vaught Hemingway Stadium up against Jones AT&T Stadium. That's Ole Miss versus Texas Tech. And surprising to me, Jones AT&T Stadium dominated our Twitter poll. And looking at it, I kind of understand. I mean, some of these traditions, the double T scoreboard, I love it. Uh, we were talking about this stadium earlier in the episode. They're doing some renovations to it. And yet, the way it's shaped, the way it looks, it's very very classic and very like an iconic college stadium feel. Uh, Vaught-Hemingway is a towering presence, though. This is hard to ignore. I, I don't know how much the Grove pushes them forward, though. Like That's part of the game day experience, which to a degree is what we're drafting, but that is not part of Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Locking the Vaught... Right which is, you know, they, they ring their, you know, ring, jingle their keys on the kickoffs and everything. Everybody does that. How, how much credence do you want to give to that? The double T scoreboard, like we mentioned, iconic students throwing tortillas in the stands after the first touchdown, iconic things that are that very so specific, much. right? Very specific to Texas tech. Ole Miss just seems like they don't have that. There are some other issues there, and that's why some of these things have had to change there. I understand that. There's a lot that is kind of out of their control at this point, for good reason, that hurts them in this poll, hurts them in this bracket. Ultimately, I think social media got this right. I agree that Jones AT&T Stadium should be moving on. 
I think I would have fought harder for Vaughn Hemingway, but that's two to one. Uh, Jones AT&T Stadium is moving on here, and I do understand it. I don't hate that move at all. So let's go ahead and jump to our next matchup here. Uh, Jordan Hare up against Stanford Stadium. That's Auburn up against, you guessed it, Stanford. Um, <laughs> Real creative on the name there. Yeah. Wow. Jordan Hare Stadium is one of the most iconic stadiums in college football. I, I love everything about it. Now, Stanford has one of those shapes that we've talked about where they have the boxed-in corners that can look okay. It doesn't look as good to me here as it has in the past. I think it's because you're souring on it a little bit. Maybe. That's possible. Maybe it's just uh, I can handle it in small doses. Jordan Harris. <laughs> Jordan Harris, one of those stadiums you look at and go, that is college football right there. I will say, though, because I'm going with Jordan Hare as well, which how they're not, you know, how between the hedges isn't their thing as well because they have hedges on their sidelines as well, just like Georgia. A different discussion. I want to throw a bone here to Stanford and say their halftime awards tradition, which a lot of times is going to veterans, Got to tip your cap to it. That's awesome. That was right. a great tradition, right. much like uh, the wave at Kinnick Stadium. Kind of a different, uh, obviously, a very, not kind of, a very different spin on it. But I love that they do it and recognize uh, the men and women that protect this country. So got to give them a shout out there. But I don't think Stanford Stadium compares to Jordan Hare Stadium in the least bit. And our last matchup of the day, moving quickly through these, got to say, uh, Razorback Stadium, I guess technically Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium up against Arizona Stadium, University of Arkansas versus University of Arizona. Uh, social media pretty definitively did go with Arkansas here. And I got to say, I see why. Yeah, much like uh, much like Arizona is kind of rough to watch on the field by the play on the field. There's not a ton of personality to the stadium. It's there. It's a fine facility, but it almost doesn't look like an FBS stadium. If it didn't have that upper deck, I would say it is borderline an FCS stadium. Right. And and then you got calling the hogs, right? I mean, I, do I need to say anything else? We certainly will when the time comes, but we don't need to right now, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Arkansas is moving on here. Razorback Stadium is heading to the next round. And that's all four matchups of the day that we had votes on. Uh, but let's get ready to preview what we have coming up. The Ohio State University up against Central Florida. That's the Horseshoe Ohio Stadium up against the Bounce House FBC Mortgage Stadium. I think it's going to be a lot closer on Twitter than it should be because the Bounce House is really fun. It's, it's a good stadium. <laughs> I can't I can't deny it. It's, you say it's not a fair matchup, Crazy Frog. But I bet you will get more people voting for UCF than should. And next up, we do have California Memorial Stadium up against Kroger Field. That's Cal versus Kentucky. Uh, I remember when it got renamed Kroger Field, everybody in the state was so mad. This is Commonwealth Stadium, people. Let's keep tradition alive. <laughs> I, I feel that in my bones. I'm looking at Simmons Bank. Memorial Liberty Stadium, right. or the fuck they were running. <laughs> I'm looking uh, forward to this matchup both, next week, though. These are both very classic bowl shapes, so it'd be interesting to see how that boat shakes out. Absolutely. Certainly will help us quite a bit. Uh, third matchup of next week, 
to watch out for. Clemson Memorial Stadium up against Keenan Memorial Stadium. That's Clemson versus North Carolina. Uh, very different shapes here compared to the last round. <laughs> Shout out to uh, worldstadiums.com. You were the best overhead shot that included the hill. Uh, I really want to get that in the photo. So if somebody else That's has a important. better one, um, please let me know because I don't mind shouting out a website. But, uh, yeah, we'll just move on to the next one. <laughs> and the last matchup that we have set up for next week, University of South Carolina versus University of Oregon. That's Williams-Brice Stadium up against Autzen Stadium. Man, that's, I that's gonna be tough. We're gonna have to have a long conversation about this next week because there are a <laughs> lot of things about each of these stadiums that I like. Right. But that is definitely a discussion for another day. Honestly, man, we've been talking for over two hours now about football. Uh, I'm not ready to be done, but I know that you are for family reasons. Oh, so we goodness. gotta get out of here. <laughs> I could talk football all the time, every day. So if you want to keep having the conversation with us, reach out to us on social medias. Uh, we have a website as well. You can email us through there. It's mailbox at bdtfootball.com. Pretty much you think BDT football, you can find us most places. Only exceptions to that would be Instagram. We have an underscore in there. And then Twitch, twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches. And you can follow us on twitch as well we would certainly appreciate it uh catch our podcasts live usually on wednesday nights during the off season and we will get that audio to you if you prefer that way on the weekend and if you're listening to us via audio those links are in the description watch us live they've been scrolling across the screen the entire time hopefully you caught on by now <laughs> Uh, that's all I have to say. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we get out of here, bud? Oh, uh, well, you know, if you're live listening, give us some feedback on the uh, outro music we're going to have here. If you're an uh, audio only listener, you won't notice any difference at the end of the show here. Uh, trying something different here on StreamYard. Uh, so let us know how it sounds. And uh, I once had a dream I was floating in an ocean of orange soda. It was more of a fantasy. Okay. I thought you were going to go more like an orange dream sickle. But that would have been better. We doing Tug's thing? Fuck no, dude. Get me the hell out of here without that nonsense. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. We will see y'all next week. Have a good one. Yes, sir. See y'all. <laughs>